Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. This is the first time we've ever recorded an episode, and then I was just like so into it. I was like, well, let's release this one right now. Because it's Curtis Gwynn, one of the absolute funniest storytelling uh, 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 fucking improvisers. I couldn't think of the word improvisers, and I had to say fucking to buy time. <laughs> Curtis Gwynn, such a delight, and we just finished, and we're going to release it today. Well, tomorrow. Uh, but let's get this out of the way right up top. I'm going to do the tour dates. Uh, these are all on PeteHolmes.com. I'm being so much better about that. PeteHolmes.com for tour dates. We got DC on the 22nd. Uh, that's What month is it? I thought so. May 22nd. I'm going to be at the 930 Club for one night with Chris Thayer. Uh, then we're going to Philly through the weekend. So that's going to be May 23rd through the 25th. Going to Helium in Philly. Then Bloomington at the Limestone Festival. Uh, that's June 7th through 9th. There's going to be a live You Made It Weird on that Friday at 4 p.m. Please come out. Maria Bamford's going to be on that. Uh, Tig is going to be on that. Some really wonderful people. Milwaukee for one night on June 12th at Turner Hall. Chicago for the Just for Last Festival, June 11th through the 15th. Some stand-up there. And also, uh, we're going to be doing a live You Made It Weird. Portland, one night at the Aladdin Theater with Chris Thayer. At, uh, that's June 28th. And that's everything that... Oh, no, I got more. Seattle. <laughs> I'm one night in Seattle at the Neptune on June 29th. New Orleans. Um, Tipitina's? Tipitina's on uh, 7-Eleven. That's, well, now we're kind of getting out there. Seven, on the 11th of 7, <laughs> July, uh, come out into New Orleans. And Houston on the 12th and Dallas on the 13th. Again, there are links to all these to get tickets on PeteHolmes.com. Uh, the sponsor, my people today, You Made It Weird, is brought to you by Bonobos, the better-fitting men's clothing brand. Bonobos, I don't know if you know this, really cares. I'm serious. They really care about the quality of their clothes, so they focus on fit and customer service. I mean, they got everything you need. Wash chinos, denim, casual shirts, suits, blazers, shorts. I could go on, but then the show would be even longer than it normally is. And to be honest, I'm just listing what, they, uh, what you can already find online at Bonobos.com. Bono, B-O-S. Think of Bono after a U2 show with B-O and then the S. Bonobos. There's some of these parts that you can tell they wrote and some that I made up. Uh, you know that horrible and itchy feeling that you get from a crisp pair of smart slacks? No more. Kids, go get some good Sunday trousers that are nice and fit good and aren't too tight, aren't too baggy. Give a little stretch where you need it, but won't look sloppy. Plenty of room in Kevin Arnold's crotch. That's a Wonder Years reference. Scientifically perfect pants. Deep lunges for everybody, in other words. In addition to the 20% off deal, you got free returns for fans and the 20% off. If you're a newbie and you order the wrong size, they can fix that real quick and easy. So come on, log on, go to bonobos.com, and don't forget to enter the code PETE at checkout. 20% off your first purchase. Free returns. Get in there. B-O-N-O-B-O-S dot com and PeteHolmes.com for tour dates. Let's fill up those live dates. And everybody's been coming out to the stand-up stuff, and that's been so exciting. Come get a hug. See you at a show. i got to sell hugs now. What am I, a sad man? I just, I like the hugs. See you out there. See you in the pit. Rancid. It's a rancid reference. All right, I'm having a stroke. Hit it, Katie. Curtis Gwynn. <laughs> okay. This weekend? Okay. Okay, Mama. I I don't know where I'm going to be. 
Okay. Okay. Okay, I will. I love you too. Bye. Hey, man. It's great to see you. I'm so sorry. I was on the phone. Not at all. Congratulations on the show, man. Yeah, leave all this in. So psyched to hear that. That was so great. That's really nice of you to say, man. I am very pumped. I'm so I'm so thrilled for that because you're you're this guy in my life. You can put those on if you oh, want. Sure, you, you certainly don't have to. I, I like being able to kind of hear the show as it's going. Yeah, I know. You're this fella. You are this fella, and you remain this fella in my life. I don't want you to think no. that I've downgraded you. <laughs> but when we were in New York together, I was just completely starstruck and no. in awe of you. Completely. What? Look, I love opening with a good bread butter. <laughs> I really do. I'll I, take it. I want to put you at ease and like you you uh, <laughs> put it to the opposite ah, you really dense. <laughs> completely i was like ah, there's a huge butt coming you don't know what to do oh there's no butt coming hey i bought something for you what is it i bought you a scratch off ticket oh my god i got one for me and i got one for you wait wait if i win i'm gonna feel terrible you picked the no wrong one. you should wait, feel give, good give me both of them okay i'm gonna shuffle them now now the fates are involved okay now you pick one i'll take that one this is california lucky for life lucky for life win 25 Hundred dollars a week for twenty five years, which is kind of mis- that, that they're saying you have twenty five years to live. <laughs> <laughs> lucky for life. It's funny. I also thought that there was something kind of unrelenting about that. Like, <laughs> again, like there's a guy showing up with uh-huh. another You're check. Like, no more. No, just I'd pay you twenty five hundred dollars <laughs> to leave me alone, Dave. <laughs> Seemed like a great deal when I won the ticket. Let's do this on the on the air. Mm-hmm. K- KT, do you have a nickel? <laughs> yeah. Who has who has change money? Well, I have change. I was just in. You know who loves change money is every country but ours. I got my credit report too here. Really? Go through. Thank you. You brought a lot. You brought. I'm going to write down. Don't think I'm going to forget. Look what I'm writing down. <clears throat> Love up on Curtis. <laughs> That's my first note. Second note. <clears throat> All right. So my winning numbers: thirty-five, thirty-seven. I don't like that. Not the computer couldn't think of a more different number. Nope. Twenty-one, thirty-nine. 15. Okay. Can I ask you, do yours. Now do my, yours. my winning numbers are <laughs> 39, 20, 38. Wait, we both have 39. 8 and 28. Okay. Can I ask you a question yeah. as we do this? Uh-huh. What feelings... This does, gets edited, right? I mean, No. Nope. <laughs> what feelings... You're funny. You're a funny man. What feelings do you get scratching off? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Okay. I'd like to talk about this as we go. Sure. I have two memories. Yep. Well, two feelings. One is a memory and one is a feeling. Uh, but I'd like to, I'm going to do one, and then you tell me any feeling that you have sure. as you scratch off the ticket. My first feeling is I don't like. It makes me feel trashy and cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, is that the strongest? Uh, no, I'm is that sorry. The overriding? <laughs> it, it's just like I apologize. There's something about like scratching off a lottery ticket on like a discarded pizza box, yeah. and, and like you're hunched over, and there's sure. a pigeon that you don't even shoo away. Uh-huh. You're like, at least I can feel a little bit of his body heat. I think my parents. I'm going to say maybe a little bit too much for worse. I was going to say for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Raise me a little bit snobby. Sure. So when I see... Lottery tickets. I think mm-hmm. my parents probably. You know, remember, we grew up in the fucking eighties. Mm-hmm. My dad probably said like, "Ah, you fucking bum with your lotto ticket," right. <laughs> or idiot tax, right? The idiot that sort tax. Of stuff sure. came through. Mm-hmm. Now I understand 
one of the things I love about you is you grew up, I grew up fucking jerk. I was the jerk you probably wanted to heave no. a, a crab apple at. What? You know, I got my old Navy gift card <laughs> and the new Adidas. I got some, I got those Andre Agassi Nikes wow. with, the, with the pink wow. lava. I'm not, I wasn't like a preppy douche kid, but whenever I've heard you tell a story. You were Boston, Massachusetts person or Lexington? Yes. Lexington. But okay. well, yes, but you're right. Yes. And I'm flattered yeah. that you even know that. Yeah, I remember. But like outside of Boston, but Lexington is a little bit hoity toity. Mm-hmm. It's where Mark Wahlberg takes his date in the fighter. <laughs> did you see the right. fighter? Uh-huh, I sure they did. go to the movie theater that I worked oh. at, and there's a lot of tie around uh, uh, sweaters, sweaters over the and shoulders. Just people being like, like a real stereotype, like a UCB interpretation of what a preppy guy. Of, yeah, exactly. Is, right. Like like yeah. uh, chains. Yeah. I yes, think of yes, your character yes. chains. <laughs> Big character yeah. choice, uh, a la chains. Sure. Uh, fat guy stuck in internet. Is that yeah. what that's called? Yes. It was called Gemberling when I knew it. Way back in the day when we first started out, us and Human Giant, and uh, Is before it? they were Human Giant. Oh, that's we right. We were all in the same um, Channel 101 New York, which was called, I guess, Channel 102, uh-huh. with the, the Channel 101 stuff that Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub did out here. Oh. They did a version of that in New York. They didn't, but some of this guy, Tony Carnavale, did a version of it in New York, and we were in the same crop of shows, monthly short films as... Um, human giant, but, but they weren't called uh, human giant then. It was just Aziz, Paul, and, and Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, a, a bunch of really talented people. We got well, both of us all got shows at the same time. Uh-huh. Theirs was wildly successful. Oh. Ours was viciously abused and canceled after uh, I remember. Episodes. <laughs> I remember seeing you at that time, and it uh. started like Gemberling was such a beloved. For those of you who don't know. Maybe hit pause. Sure. What we've been doing on these episodes a lot is actually playing a little clip at the top just to give people like a little sure. touchstone. Mm-hmm. But I mean people should watch. They can still watch Fat Guy Stuck in Internet. I think if you if you I think if you click enough times on adultsum.com, if you really search for it, yeah. you might find it. You can it. find it or yeah. just click anywhere and it'll yeah, be like, yeah, all yeah. right, all right. Yeah, here yeah, it is. Yeah. But that was something that I used to see you guys play live. Well, well I'm going to get I'm going to write down Fat sure. Guy. But the thing that I was going to say was I used to see you and you look Going back to Lexington, little bit, little bit khakis. You know what I mean. Sure. Uh, the cool mm-hmm. kids were the kids that wore like polos and khakis and and sneakers. Totally. And, and there was like a, a a pretty good money contingent. I like to think that I'm a little bit different from that because my father was very much working class, mm-hmm. and we were like these misfits in in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. But uh, whenever I heard you tell stories, and it's my sincere intention, and thinly veiled, not even veiled. Intention to try and get you to tell as many stories <laughs> as you would like. Sure. Because, but anyway, what I gathered as an overall picture was your life was not khakis. No. It, was it more lottery tickets? It was more lottery tickets. You know, I, On the spectrum. I think that we're similar in the sense that I grew up in a very wealthy area of the country. Extremely wealthy. Where? Fairfield County, Connecticut. Very wealthy. Um, very, uh, you know, just affluent, successful very preppy place. Yes. Um, and I think my father aspired to that. Interesting. He was working class New Jersey. Working class Somerville. There you go. And he aspired to be, Lexington. Yes. My dad was breaking in. There you go. Your dad broke in. He was, well, he broke in that he, that he absolutely failed at it, you know. And, <laughs> he was going through the museum yeah. with the lasers and yeah. he just kept getting penetrated just, by just the lasers. Just his hands sawed off by the lasers. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, you know, my dad used to say things like, he had this weird old school mentality. He was, it, we would want to wear like a black t-shirt or something. Yeah. And my dad would go, don't wear black. Only Italians wear black. What? And I would be like, what? <laughs> and we were children. We were like, what? And what he was operating he out of like a 50s greaser, <laughs> New Jersey. With the chain on the yeah. outside. Yeah. He's just like imagining like, 
Yeah. It, the, the working class neighborhood he came from, yes, with like the Italian kids with in the, the cigarettes, cigarettes and the black t shirt. Yeah. Tucked into the very blue jeans. Exactly. Converse. Right. I, it was so foreign to us because we were raised in, like, you know, Reading, Connecticut. You started there. You didn't come from Jersey. You no, were no, raised. we were raised there. So but we had no dad... money. We had no money either. We were very poor. We were outcast as well because we were very poor uh-huh. in this very rich town. What was he doing? How did he make the trek from Jersey to he Connecticut? Originally, he was a very madman. He was like very, uh, he was oh, in working in New York. Yes. Uh, you know, he worked for a plastics company as a salesman selling plastics plastics was were new like the uh, the graduate i mean he watched the mad he watches mad and he's like that's that's it i mean that's it really oh yeah he was that was his era he lived in an apartment building he had a penthouse <laughs> with two friends and across the hall there were only two penthouses across the hall mickey mantle lived across no the no yes. no 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 and no. they used to have parties and mickey mantle would come and get the drunk. mick the mick and across the street was a building an entire apartment building owned by pan am and they put their stewardesses up. The other six to the show. what it was for. The Fucking captain. Christina Ricci's over yep. one building and Johnny Ham's so in the other. They'd go to the bar downstairs to the Pan Am building yes. and say, we got Mickey Mantle oh my up God. at our place. And oh my God. stewardesses would come back. It was very madman. They'd just flood in stewardesses. Yes. yes. Going to the mantelpiece, yes. as they called it. Yes. That's what he called his dick. Exactly. Come to my mantelpiece. <laughs> I, I did not know that. <laughs> it's a weird thing, I know. But yeah, that was his deal. And, and then he, he strived for like the suburbs, like very Don Draperish. I'm going to live in the suburbs with my family. And take the train. And then he was like late. He was laid off in the 70s. They were like, well, you're middle management. We don't really need you. Huh. And he just never really... Bounce back. Bounce back from that ever again. You know, when Smiling. we when I was a teenager, when I was like 13 or 14, our house was foreclosed on. We were kicked out. I mean, I was like a ho- homeless kid. Yeah. And I was bouncing around to different families and stuff when I was a Wait, teenager. Wait, so the house is foreclosed. Yeah, yeah. At your dad's laid off. And yeah. then, so the, the play there is to let the kids go stay with other people while yeah. your parents... It, well, my parents were divorced I, I, when I was very young. So my mother was out of the picture. My father was like living in a in his car and then living in a, like a trailer with no heat or electricity out in the middle of the woods. Oh and, my god! And I was bouncing around to different couches and houses. And luckily, I had a lot of people who were pretty kind to that me. Must people's have parents felt so. You must have felt at such a weird age. Anyway, it was a weird. It was a critical mass of oh. awkwardness and then homelessness oh. and uh, and I got into a school thanks to a, a, a good family friends. Um, they got me into this private school for my junior and senior year of high school, and uh, it kind of turned things around. Wait, so they funded you? Yeah, they they like got me a scholarship there, and they let me stay at the the house, their house, and uh, so I was kind of rescued a little bit from the situation, well, like foster parents. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Oh my god! But I bounced around quite. But like a bit. without paperwork, don't like. Yeah, like... no one really. Knew. I mean, I was totally through the cracks. Yes, like nobody, like the town. There were no social services that stepped in or yes. anything like this. Didn't happen. You there. were latch, no key. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you you <laughs> had the the little box where the <laughs> key exactly should be. Right, and yeah. you're floating around. And who are these angels? That fucking well, the first family were the the kings. They were an Irish family. You're I, goddamn right. They were they the were, kings. They, they were the kings of my life. <laughs> and they, I was friends with their kids growing up. And they they took me in for a while. When that got who cr- knew crazy. when you're mingling with their kids that you're really auditioning for life? Yes, you're auditioning for like a be, to be saved. If you had been like, I'm gonna finger you, no house. <laughs> 
Like really, because you were like kind of well, funny. I, I kind of got bounced from some of these, but the first place I stayed you with my did? friends, the Cottons, they were great. It was all because it was too much for the parents. They were just like, we can't handle this. This is a teenage boy yes. who's got this fucked up life. Yes. The first were the Cottons, amazing people. They took me in, and then the Kings took me in. I don't know why I feel like I can relate to the idea of having the house guest that stays too long. I mean, like you have a big heart for them, but you're like, this is taking a toll on all of I'm us. Sure it was, I'm sure it was like traumatic for them. Yeah. You yeah. have to send away little Seguin. Yes. And he's like, it's all yeah. right. I'll be at the I'll rail yard. <laughs> it immediately I mean, starts that's raining. That's exactly what it's like. But and did I, they pass you off like a baton to the kings? They, uh, That's a of, weird call to kind make. Kind of. I think my dad kind of brokered that deal. Oh, my God. Uh, and then I went from there, and I didn't know, and I had just that's, sort of given that's a, up. That's a movie. Your dad, who's selling plastics, is now selling. I, I'm not trying to be coy or no, un, no, uncaring. No, 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 no. He's fine. making the call and using his persuasion skills to be like, how do you feel about a 1979 <laughs> Curtis? Exactly right. Would you like to see something in a Curtis? <laughs> totally. And then you go from the, the Cottons to the Kings. To the, to the, to the, to the, to the Reese Sergeants. Reese Sergeants. Yes. Hyphenated. And, that's right. And they, um, uh, my good friend Seth and his mother, Darian, and their, her stepfather, Gary. Listen uh, to this. They took me in, and I stayed with them for a year, and then I ended a up, year. And then my senior year of high school, I lived with the headmaster of the private school and his family. So I bounced around to a lot of families during those. During that those one years. I'm picturing fancy, like he's carving pheasant, and he's well, like, we eat with <laughs> this was, fork. Curtis. It was a very beautiful, beautiful house, no doubt. And, and was it really? I was on campus at the house <laughs> at the school, and I was just living there. And his kids. You are a movie. You're every movie I want to see. It was very strange. Where's your documentary? I got. Where's do your? It. Where's your? fucking Chris Gethard life tour. I know. You know gotta, what I mean? I gotta do it. I, I never bus. felt, uh, I don't think I ever felt fully committed to uh, building a sort of community around my life. I don't know. I understand say. what you're saying. It's yeah, a little invasive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, I, but I like telling the stories and stuff, but sure. I think that's where it kind of... You're the headmaster's house. Yeah. But it seems to me from the stories I know, they must have been when you were younger, yeah. they all seem to involve a lot of family being together. Oh, yes. Like yeah, you had yeah. that story about um, the incest book. Oh yeah, the, I'm not the, trying to Leno you. We'll, no, 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 no. We'll no, keep no. talking. I, I mean, it's such a long story. I mean, I, I could... love every story you've ever told. <laughs> I'd go to. I would. I would go to Nights of Our Lives. It was the only show that I would go. That to. That was a fun show. Yeah, it's a great show, and everyone would kill. But then Curtis Quinn would do. Yeah, like you're not here. Would do something else. It was a different word. It was. It was. It was hurricane. It Maybe was self indulgent. I think maybe the word. No, I don't think so. <laughs> what What I saw there, which certainly informed just just a lot of different perspectives I, I now have, which is I saw a crowd that knew you mm. and were invested in you. Yeah, there's a little bit. There's a little bit of smarm in what I do and sharing everything about myself on this show and what Gether does. And he's like, let's get on a bus and I'll show you my mother and sure, my house yeah. and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But there's also like there can be something a beautiful mix. Where you let them in enough, where you let them in, they knew this is Curtis. We knew about your father, we knew about your life, and then so you started in the in the in the black. You know what I mean? Yes. And then you would destroy. Oh, that's very kind of you. To I say. would love it. <laughs> would you? You maybe don't tell. I w- we have the time. Well, I'll just tell. Like, I mean, you know that that particular thing that sharing your son with sis thing that was sharing your son with her, sis. sharing her son with sis sharing her son with yeah. sis. I mean, when I, we're we're in the we're, we're a book we're recording in a comic book store, which is kind of apropos to it. I mean, when I was a kid, <laughs> we would you know the group of kids I hung out with very stand by me ish. I guess you yes. know, walking around. <laughs> That's a- before you even said that, you were on a railroad. Yeah, I, I want you to know. I yeah. saw you just walking the tracks. There's a dog. There's something a little off about well, the we dog. We trilling. 
Instead <laughs> one eye. Uh, we would always find alongside – I'm not kidding. On railroad tracks and in the woods, we would find – uh, comic books, like or or books, yes. or, and mostly porno mags, porn like, library. Yes, you'd find stacks of Playboys next to train tracks all the time. And, I wanted, and in the I, woods, we'd find them. That is, that is something that, like, when I did, you see uh, the the oh fuck the pines, the pines the between the, pines I beyond the pines. I didn't see it yet. There's this way that I can't articulate because when I see those movies, they're like carnies and they got tattoos, and there's definitely porn in those pines. Yeah, that's what they don't <laughs> tell you about those pines. Growing up in Lexington, which is a little bit snooty and again I, I want you to be clear that i'm not proud of the fact i wasn't like we're better i have both a simultaneous fear and a jealousy of that like real real shit real childhood you got the fucking deflated basketball yeah. one of the one of the kids has a gun and you're yeah. and you're finding uh pornography in the woods i find that it's this weird eight ball of Absolute fear. Nobody's scarier to me than th- than those kids. And also, I'm kind of like, what was that like? All I was doing, was, I had to speak. And well, smell. we were just, uh, we were allowed to. It was a group of kids that definitely were allowed to do whatever they want any yeah. hour of the day or night. Self governing children. Absolutely, that's terrifying. My dad would be like, Go outside. <laughs> And we'd come home whenever we came home. You really? know? We'd stay out to 9, 10, 11, midnight, you know, running around the neighborhood, especially in the summertime. It was unpoliced. 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 Yeah. There, one kid might be the leader, but then yeah. he's usurped yes. by the fat kid. Yes. I mean, it's just – it was it was definitely uh, a chaotic sort of – and at the time, I kind of loved it. Yeah. Because, like, no one was telling me what to do. And also, I'm going to put this in the mix. You weren't learning fear. You were learning that other people – you're like, even if you're in the – kind of like wild west of childhood you weren't afraid no what i learned by staying in my weird parents house was like the outside world i'm not trying to push myself into your story is like no, not no. a good place you should stay away from riffraff and all that sort of stuff and you're like who cares we're eating lasagna that we found well yeah. <laughs> well i mean the, the reason why is because we had the opposite the interior of the house was horrible <laughs> you know like the the home life was so bad yes. that you'd want to be outside yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. want to be away from it you know i mean i Listen, I I've, I feel bad. I like dump on my dad, and you know, as I get older, I feel worse about it that yeah. I've like dumped on him for years. Right, right, right. right. You know, but I mean, it was not great. It was really shitty. Um, I get it. And he was a moody, pricky, shitty guy. Yeah. Um, and you know, he had his moments, but most of most of it was my my sort of feeling of childhood is just the back of his head. Like watching television or reading a newspaper, just being like, oh, like that's the feeling I get from childhood. So your dad's a villain dad. Yeah, yeah he's like, like a even dad. the movie version that I'm just making as yeah. you're talking. I'm just picturing yeah. him. I already have a version of your dad. I've yeah. cast your dad years ago. <laughs> and he looks, you know, he's, he's a scary looking guy. Yeah. He kind of looks like the guy in The Sopranos that has a coughing problem. I forget who that oh, was. Do you know who I'm th- talking about? I'm trying to remember who that who the, the, the actor. My dad, my dad looks like a wasp, though. He's oh, got really? Blonde Blonde hair. Oh, okay. He's blonde. Yeah, I know. He looks very different from me. I don't. Okay. He's blonde, blue eyes. That was what I was hair. saying. He wears like he, you know, khaki. He wanted the Lexington guy. Yeah, yeah. He wears the khaki pants. He and... auditioned for the fighter. Yeah, yeah. I like fancy movies. <laughs> well, you know, when we were kids, he we were allowed to watch any movie we wanted to watch. Anything. We could watch, any, except for pornography, we could openly watch whatever we wanted to. Yes. And we would watch... You know, The Exorcist or The Shining. I'd be six years old. Oh, my God. Watching The Exorcist. And they had fu- a thing on NPR about that, a guy who – they were talking about trauma and his trauma was watching The Exorcist oh, when he was the, sick. Yeah, that's the same thing. Same thing for me. That happened same, to you. Absolutely. No checks and balances. I mean, that movie, that, that, that character, the girl yes. from that movie – 
is a core figure in my like nightmares of youth and of like course. fears and general fear. Curtis, I saw yeah. that when I was twenty nine, yeah. and I was like, I'm not old enough. For I this. I saw it. I remember my my father would would if he didn't like what was going on on the screen. He would go, well, that's enough for me. And he would get up and leave. And the kids would still be sitting there watching the movie. He'd be like, I can't watch this. This is, is going to give me nightmares. I mean, we went to Eddie Murphy Raw from the video store, you know? Yeah. He was like, this is just filthy dirty. And he like, got up and left. And it's, like, his 10-year-old and 7-year-old were like, all right, well, yeah. I guess that leaves it to us to yeah. watch. No, I'm just gonna go second and he would t- I remember one of my fir- earliest movie memories is seeing Risky Business in the theater with my dad. Mm. You know, there's like fuck scenes on trains and stuff, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. about prostitutes and everything. And it was just oh like, that's one of my earlier movie-going memories. I These are the houses that I would go over, and I would feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I was like, there. in fact, it still influences my politics. I was just having this big debate with people, and they were talking about the free market, right? And they were just like, everybody should uh, deal with themselves and uh, not worry about it, and, and everything. Everything will be fine. You can have a gun. You can have a gun. Drugs are legal. Booze is legal. And I just kept going. I didn't talk a lot because after I made my point, everybody knew who I represented. Right. But I was like, no, rules are good. They told me not to drink till I was 21, and I didn't. <laughs> like, it kept me away from it. Like, I'm the kid that was like, you got it. No smoking. Smoking. Smoking's for jokers. Uh, you got it. I could not wait to smoke. I was smoking at, like, 12 or 13. Is that right? Yeah, I was uh, more so menthols. So wouldn't, wouldn't you say... That the government parent sort of thing, mm. I got too much of it. I got mm. en loco parentis. You got the your your school is parenting yeah. you. Your government is parenting you. But like it does keep you away from, let's say, cigarettes. Maybe sure for some of us. Sure, don't get me wrong. There's boatloads of kids that were shitty good parents. Sure, uh, smoking. But you have a dad leaving the room, and and like it might be easier for you to sneak. I a, mean, he would say things like "Don't smoke," but he would just say it's for losers. You know, like the yeah. Italian shirt thing. He'd be oh. like, "The only losers like smoke cigarettes, only right. like dirt bags and right. things like that." You oh know, but he was never a health thing. It was just like that's for losers. <laughs> that's not a compelling argument. No, you no. got loser on one hand, and then you got like reckless abandon, no fear of death, yeah. cool, something yeah. to do with your hands, yeah. exhale was, smoke. That's fun. But you know, it's bad. I mean, I say it was bad. There's always people who had it worse. We were didn't have it the worst. I, I, you know, right. And there was a, there was a family down the street from us. Who who were also very kind to me and were childhood friends, you know, but they had it much worse. So right. I, I'm not going to out their names, but I mean, they had, and I've told this before, I mean, they, they had like 50 plus cats <laughs> in their house. <laughs> oh my like, God. Like feral, wild oh. cats. Oh. And they lived next to a swamp. And swamp cats? Yes. They're, the father. Is this a pitch? Because I'm buying it. The father had Parkinson's disease. Oh, I just. And they had didn't wards. They had no money. They had wards of the state, you know, like uh, mentally challenged kids living with them so they could oh. get money from the state. And, you know, that was. Yeah, and I, I would go there for Thanksgiving. Oh my, <laughs> my dad would take us to that house for Thanksgiving. And Why? They, they were sweet. They were nice people. The mother was so nice and she but was kind. Did and, they invite him? Uh, oh, he was. But look, I mean. The, he the 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 mentally challenged kid yes. who this, I did not name him this. Other people named him this. Please. His name was Johnny Ie because the one of the only sounds he could make was Ie and he would scream. And he was Johnny Ie, and he had him locked oh, in like boy. a like a room, you know, like a, away from everybody else. I'm laughing because it's horrible. It's, and they would bring him know. out sometimes. I don't know. How and he just scream like Ie, and then you know there were a couple times where he got sort of loose. 
in the house. And I don't mean it. I'm not trying to attack the kid. I know. But and, he got, he's a man. And he's a boy. Said, he was like, he was probably 18, 19 years old. And, and it was just very traumatic. Holy um, shit. And I just, those folks had it worse than me. Yes. Like I had it bad, but there's always somebody who has it worse. So. I, well, you know. This is a safe place in the in the sense that we can play that it's always worst game. I feel that gets us in the it gets in the way of us really delving. Sure, sure. Because I complain <laughs> I complain about my life. I grew up in a beautiful a house that I would still consider a mansion. I'm like that's a fucking Victorian sure. mansion, a gorgeous house, great school district. But like my ch- I look back at my childhood and I was like I was humiliated and I was embarrassed and I was uncomfortable. That's what youth is. Sure. So you got fifty cats, people, and then you got you and and you're you're drifting around yeah. and your thing. Yeah. Let's all just assume there's always somebody worse. Right yes. next to the fifty cat house, there's a burning house. I mean, it'll never change. I'll always complain. I'm just like I'm looking for an, a, like a new uh, house to move into now, like renting a house, and I'm like no central AC. Yeah. This is animals. <laughs> uh, animals. It's live so that funny way. that you say that. I love complaining. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite pastimes. It's so easy. Me too. People are always looking for something to say. What do I say next? What do I do? But when you're complaining, a human being comes into that rarefied air, that comfort zone where you're like, I got this. Yeah. The most shy person. <laughs> at a party be like what really gets your goat and it's just like suddenly Tommy the stutterer is like delivering this beautiful <laughs> soliloquy about how he can't stand when sports bump his favorite programs yeah. uh, so Tommy I, we got a lot going you got your dad and Tommy I, why Johnny IE Johnny IE yeah, Johnny IE I remember the IE and Dirty Steve also lived there he was a drifter you lived in the comic book he once masturbated into a into a, a surgeon's glove and threw it at me Dirty Steve. When I was watching the Super Bowl at that house, he was up in a loft uh, masturbating, and I just kept hearing like the like a squeaky rubber noise. So and he's then, fucking the glove. Yeah, like multiple MIGs in in Silence of the Lambs when he throws his cum on what's her name Jody. Jody Foster's face. It was very much. I was just watching TV, and then this glove got hurled at me, and he had masturbated into a glove. This guy, uh, Dirty Steve, and he was dirty. Not he wasn't named. Yeah, um, he was literally and figuratively dirty. It was like Pigpen grew up, but his parents died. <laughs> yeah, he was a drifter scum. <laughs> oh well, I wouldn't be God. surprised if he had murdered and/or was murdered. I would not have been one bit surprised. Dirty Steve. And these were the people I sort of was commingling with. What did you do when a glove would come hit you? I, you know, I was fifteen, so or sixteen, so I was just like, well. <laughs> what, what, I just leave the room. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. What are you going like to do? Like your dad with the exorcist. Yeah, you just walk like, out. Yeah, you just get up and go, well, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah. This situation did it get on you me. or did it stay contained? It stayed contained. I'm happy the, to hear that. The glove. You know what's surprising about that? Well, everything. <laughs> hey, Curtis, you know what's surprising about that? Every single part of it. But the part where, like, usually if you have some sort of prank involving cum, I feel I don't, I've never done one. <laughs> I'm glad that you think that that was a prank for him. That was his, like, his. I don't like, think he really thought it through. Gotcha. I bet if you asked him, he was like, I just do what I think. I just, exactly. I do He's what I do. He's a man that goes on impulse. Yeah, I believe he does. Yeah. But once you come, usually that's a moment for a man to like come back to your senses. Sure. And be like, I'm not going to throw this at Curtis. Right. I, and you also get a good dose of shame if you're anything like me. Sure. <laughs> you're, just, you're like, oh, man, I came in this glove. I think most people, the, the tossing of the glove is a real t- character trait of dirty. Well, he was a drifter. 
remember. <laughs> he had he was a drifter. You know how much drifting you have to do before I mean, someone calls you a drifter? Technically, I was a drifter at that time, too, I suppose. <laughs> but he was more a drifter. He was marking you. Yeah, he was more in the classical sense a drifter. That was the drifter hello. <laughs> we don't wave. We throw a hand with covenant. That's what we the do. <laughs> he was just being polite. It's like what do you call like the hobo rules or whatever they are when they, you know, like the, the signposts <laughs> yes! on, on the door. You draw the hand with a little uh, squiggly yeah. sperms in there. Yeah. And that means that's, the, that's the drifter hello. <laughs> I thought I saw a fellow drifter. I guess not. <laughs> ah, he's offended that you didn't like it and returned. You ain't no drifter. <laughs> Give me that drifter alone. It's so just put the glove down on the ground. <laughs> yeah, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Dirty Steve, get out of here. Tell me why you went to their house for Thanksgiving. Because my dad was friends with the parents, and he wanted. He didn't have many friends. See, there's so always this invite like, him. Yeah, there's yeah. always this twinge of sad. To all of these course. Answers. Oh my god. I mean, my father just didn't have any friends, and they would invite, and he would want to go. Yeah. And you know, one of the fucked up things about that is he ended up dating that woman. After the f- the father in law died Ooh. from Parkinson's, the kids moved away. She, she lost the house also in foreclosure, her house, and then they ended up dating. My dad was like living with her in some apartment in, for a while up in in, in Connecticut somewhere. And, what about the cat? And I ended up living there with them for a little while too. You... Well, the fucked up thing was because I I went to college for two years and then I dropped out oh. and I had no place to live, oh. so I went and stayed with them <laughs> in this apartment. And I would, and my dad, even though she, even though my dad was dating this woman, he would not. He would sleep in his in a separate bed, and I would have to sleep with him in the bed. That was the only place to sleep. Wait, that's how the incest story. That's in the incest story. I'm remember. I'm remembering IE, and I'm remember. I'm remembering some of your touchstones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your little goatees. I'd have to sleep with my dad, who slept naked. No joke. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'd be like, just sleep with her. You know, you're sleeping with her. And there were a couple of times when they got a little drunk and randy, and I saw him like naked, like zooming between bedrooms, and you know he's like sixty-five or whatever. I was just like, "Come on!" Oh my god! And, the, and the, she had kept half the cats. So there were like twenty cats in this apartment, no. and they pissed and shit everywhere. And there were fleas everywhere, and all this. Kind no, of stuff. your dad scampering between yes. his and looking kind of like a little like, "Ooh, I'm like." I'm yeah. bad. I'm like, I'm naughty. I'm very naughty. And He's slipping back into yes. the bed without yes. a shower yes. into the, the bed with his son. Yes. The product of sex past. Yes. yes. Currently sex. Yes. Covered yes. in sex. Like 20 year old. His 20 year old son. It's on you. Yeah. And you're 20. 20. Sleeping with him in a bed. Going, what the fuck am I going to do? I used to drove, call you like. You out of college and that's what happened. <laughs> Why didn't you stay in college? I had no money. Oh, God. We I'm broke. so sorry. We were I'm, broke. I'm so afraid of coming off like the idiot. No, no, I no, no. I could have guessed that. We ran out. We you ran wanted out of money. to stay in college. Of course. I thought when you said I dropped out, you dropped out. Oh, I dropped out. out because I had no money. We had okay. no money to go you, back. You couldn't go. Okay. No. And it, I mean, I'm glad that oh, I did in the God. long run. I mean, everything kind of the road, we, I wended my way here. Well, that's what's so fun about good. you as a character is when we're watching you tell these stories, we're like, it's okay. I remember, I, I think I was saying it to Neil, Neil from, I, on Ruru, I believe. Uh, Neil Casey, sure. Neil Casey. Yeah, yeah. And I was saying, I was like, who is this guy? And he was like, I was like, where, where did he come from? And he goes, he, he got away. That's what he said. And I was like, oh my God, you did get away. And yeah. it's, it's like a story where a hiker is telling you that he fell into a crevasse. <laughs> 
But you're like, the, the hiker's telling the story. He clearly lives. Yes. You know what I mean? So yes. as much crevasse so far, you want to give us. Yeah. And my life has, has toned down so much in the last few years, you know, which is good. Yeah. It's a good Do you thing. crave normalcy? Because like the one thing that I had was like uh, some arguing in the house. So now I find that I really like a quiet house. Like I, like I think I do prefer it. You know, I'm my I'm kind of like Odysseus at the at the end of the Odyssey, or, or it's sort of like my my uh, my my traveling my adventuring days are over. I'm hanging up the sword on yeah, the yeah, yeah, on the yeah. peg, and I'm like, yeah. finally, I'm back home with yeah. uh, Penelope. No, no more suitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to, it. I'm fucking. I'm ready to yeah. raise the children and, and yeah. be the old king, I guess. But I mean, I think you've had enough. Yeah, yeah. You've definitely. had like I feel like God should have stepped. You know, in I say all this and, this and is, said he's now things enough. are going to go haywire. What's now that? now everything's going to go haywire. Oh, no, Getting cocky. no, no, no. That well, that's another thing that's so infinitely appealing about you is you still maintain that humility. You still feel like a guy that wouldn't like when I asked what happened when you got hit with the cum hand, mm. cum glove, new cum glove. <laughs> uh, it was actually an of glove, so it maintained the body heat. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I knew you didn't get up and like thrash him or something. No, There's just no. something we're all rooting for you. There's this beautiful like yeah. I've, go, been, I've been in a street fight before and I was I was savagely beaten. You were in a street fight? Yes, and I my hand I, I threw two punches and I and um, one punch and I broke my hand into about a thousand pieces on one punch. What, what did you hit? So a kid's face and he just was like he was like ow, and my hand was just blew up like a bag of broken glass I mean oh. it was just like because you hit him I just punched him in the face like, wrong I hit him wrong I don't know how to fight me neither that's what's going to happen to yeah. me one day I'm dishonored yeah don't, <laughs> yeah don't know what to do in a fight I mean yeah. uh, I just oh knew throw God. a punch throw a punch and you hit him square in the face I hit a thing on the, the side of the head and why just like, let's back it up why mm. Uh, I think it was like a mistaken identity thing. Some kids were like calling us, uh, me and my brother, like, you guys are racist. And we didn't know who these kids were. And, and, and it was late at night in the street. And then oh. we're like, what is going on here? Oh, no. And, uh, yeah. Are these uh, uh, other, other race, uh, not, your, <laughs> it was, not your vague Italian? <laughs> yeah, it, was not, it was not my personal vague Italian, Greek, or Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What um, are you? <laughs> uh, I'm Welsh, Irish. My mother is uh, Irish. Really? My father is Welsh. Yeah. Oh, wow. A little bit of German mixed in there, too. Yeah, tell all of your features. Yeah, I've got uh, dark hair and <laughs> soft, kissable lips. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, they are pretty kissable. And just like <laughs> beautiful dark blue eyes. Yeah, there you go. Oh, dark blue is dark not blue, a common yeah. eye. No, it's not. I like a good dark and, uh, blue. It's a very nice. So this, uh, these kids come up and they're calling you racist. Yeah, and we got into a fight, and and you know this is they, they hit me with a tire iron. They smashed me in the face with a tire iron. In the face? Yeah, I have a big scar on my cheek here. But yeah, I, think I can, can see, see it. That's a cool scar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, man. But I mean... It- <laughs> and then they hit me on top of the head, and, and you know my brother pretty much kicked all these kids' asses after I... Uh, broke uh, your hand. Broke my hand. So you got hit once in the face, threw a punch, then got hit again? Yes. And then, you know, he, he, my brother chased them off. We get in the car, and they threw like a cinder block through the back window of our car, these kids. We drove away. And a cop car pulled us over at like it was like six in the morning. Aren't you bleeding from the face? Oh, I'm. I mean, I'm pouring blood. I'm just pouring blood. My shirt's just drenched in blood. Ooh. I'm pouring blood. I said, I think I got to the hospital. My brother was like, Nah, we'll, we'll see how you are in the morning. You know, <laughs> if you're still hurt, I'll take you to the hospital. Was he under the influence of anything? Not really. We'd had a couple of drinks, but I mean, it wasn't like crazy wasted. Yeah. And then a cop car pulled us over. You, your brother in blood face, get pulled over. Yep. I'm bleeding. He's fine. Yeah. He doesn't have a scratch. Right. He's driving. He get pulled the, over. The, the cop asked. 
asked for a license and a bucket of blood. <laughs> he just like pulled up alongside us, like rolled down the window. We rolled down the window. Our back window smashed out. I have my face is in shat yeah, tatters. Yeah, yeah. And the cop was like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Oh, my brother's like, we're just trying to get home. You know, we came back to our car. It was the back window smashed out." He's like, "Oh, what happened to that guy?" And my brother was like, "He, he fell off a chair." <laughs> and the and the cop was like, "Okay." And just drove away and, and didn't didn't check our license, didn't pull us over, didn't check insurance. You know what? Okay, here's here's a, here's a big difference. Thank be- God between uh, where I'm f- coming from mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. is that cops. I would be like, oh, here's the help. Here's here's our help. <laughs> my face is broken, and there are some street youths that broke my face. Can yeah. we go search for them together? <laughs> and at the end, they give me a deputy star, and yeah. I go, I'm one of you. Yeah. <laughs> But you guys were like, it's the cops. Lose them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, you got to shake the cops. Yeah. Well, we don't trust any authority. It was, so we were raised that way. You were because raised to just sort of be insolent. Only Italians like the cops. Yeah, yeah exactly. My dad, yeah, we'd be like, yeah, don't trust the police. Don't trust the police. <laughs> I love your dad's little fortune cookie, like little bits of wisdom, like only lose is smoke. Don't trust cops. I'm out of here. This movie's too scary. My dad, my dad used to drive around. When I was a little kid, we'd be driving through town and and he'd always have a beer tucked between his legs you know driving oh my god and we drive and we would pass by whenever we pass by a church in like spring or something there'd be a wedding maybe whenever there was a wedding my dad would roll the window down and go you'll be sorry oh my god and then he'd look at me for a his seven-year-old son and be like right uh, this guy knows what I'm talking about. These are lessons. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know. I you're guess learning so. lessons. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Do you drink now? Your dad? See, very I'm, occasionally. I used to be when I when you knew me in New York. I was a bad drinker. Really? I drank a lot. So you didn't um, do the thing where you rebelled the other way. No, no, no. I was a heavy drinker, um, especially those years in New York City at UCB. Well, it's hard. It's easier to be a drunk in New York. Absolutely, it's so Thank easy. God. It's a little bit fun. But now I barely do. Yeah, I, you know, I drink a little bit here and there. Is so. that is that just you're trying to? I can't even do it anymore. Really? Yeah, I, I drink I, even nights where I'm like, tonight I'm going to party and yeah. pound booze. I'll have two drinks, and my body will just be just not allow me to do it. Really? I won't even notice that I'll be holding the same drink for how, like how old two are, hours. Are you now? Thirty seven. Okay, so maybe that that's coming around. Yeah. I to be honest, I wouldn't mind a uh, like a naturally occurring limit where you're this just is kind very of like, naturally occurring. Yeah. Where you're not like – you don't have any willpower. It's just kind of like, yeah, two is enough. Yep. Because my, you know what? Two is enough. Yep. My body just will not do more than like two or three. Well, it's downhill after three. Yeah. After yeah. three is when you start slurring. And, yeah, and hangovers now take me three days. Right. You know, if I get really – Takes you out of the game. Lit, I'm, yeah, I'm done. Thank you for saying lit. Yeah. So uh, where does – you found the book – Oh, <laughs> what is sharing? Yeah, I mean, I found this book. And we were walking porn, along, and, and porn library. As I said, there were like magazines and comics and stuff. We'd find there was a book kind of in sitting in the sopping water of a puddle. Yes. along the street, and I went over there, and I picked it up. I was like, "Oh my gosh, a, a book!" I was very excited like that there was a find. book in there. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god!" I Why? What did you think it could be? Any exciting – I was like a free book. I was just excited at the idea of a free book. I was a big reader as a kid and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I picked it up and it was like a waterlogged – and people were like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Yeah. I was like, oh, it was filthy dirty and it was uh, like a small trade like paperback. Do you think someone had discarded it out of shame? Now that we know that it's a book about incest, do you think someone had like been like, I can't keep jerking off to this I book. don't even want to know how or what happened with this. I'm you sure know, the person who threw it out their window later put a shotgun in their mouth. Yo, and you know what that is? In a Motel 8. That's the hobo goodbye. That's the hobo. 
<laughs> or the drifter goodbye. The drifter Fuck, goodbye. I fucked the it drifter up. Drifter yeah. goodbye. <laughs> the drifter goodbye is tossing an incest book out your window. <laughs> and then a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, goodbye. Oh, have some etiquette. God. So you find this book. We don't and, want to know where it's from. And it's called. Did it have an inscription? Was it like to Larry? Yeah, like, yeah. You dirty dog. <laughs> Oh, I wish. <laughs> but it, it was called – the title of the book was Sharing Her Son with Sis. And it had a picture on the front cover in that very sort of 19 – you know, pre-psychedelic <laughs> advertising drawings like where like it's very realistic. Yeah. Like sketching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like post, pre-60s. Post-60s, everything's cartoony and ads yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that, it was very realistic. Woman in an apron. Yes. Like, you know, very realistic. So it was that style. <laughs> and it was two women and, a, and a, like, a, like a teenage boy. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was to the ki- other kids. I was like, this is hilarious. Sharing or someone says, who's sis? Who's, who's the son? Which son is he of? And who's sharing her son? I was like, this is awesome. Everyone was like, you're disgusting. We don't want any part of this. So I kept this book and I kept it under my bed. Wait, you box. dried it out? I, I kept, you took hang it, it home, upside took down it like a flower? I took it home and I dried it out and I kept it in a shoebox with like a Playboy oh, and stuff like that underneath my other bed. Classics. Other classics. Even the Playboy was like, I, come on. I never even really read it, but it, it went with me as I got older. I would always bust it out and be like, people would come over to my house and be like, you got to see this hilarious book. Oh. And people, I'd show it to people and they'd be like, that's disgusting. It's not funny. Wait, it's would disgusting. you read passages? No, I would just show them the book and be like, look at this. Like It's a porn book and... Um, At what point are we reading it? I started reading it a little bit when I was when I hit sort of like high school age. A little bit, and I would like read a chapter and be like, "Oh, it was very graphic." Sherry herself was very. Graphic, but I mean, like but... after the characters are established, you're yeah. my brother and I'm your sister. Yeah, isn't it just a regular porn book? Uh, or does they no, because it's a boy, it? so it's it's sort of incestual pedophilic pornography. Oh, the mom is fucking the boy. Yeah, well, thought... that's the question, right? Sharing her son with sis. Is the sis his sis? The boy's sis? Oh, it's... Or is it the mother's sis? It's is my it... feeling that it's her son and her daughter. Okay. <laughs> See, that's a very different interpretation that a lot of people have. Sharing her son with sis could be her sis. It's sort of... Oh, like two older women. Right, and I don't recall. Oh. And I don't, have, I don't have the book anymore, and I cannot recall. I've oh. Google searched. I cannot find it online. That's funny. The first porn I ever heard of as a kid was uh, Suck the Old Man's Dick Off, which sounds <laughs> fake. And uh, every once in a while, I'll, old drunk Pete will Google it. Just to, I just want to see the box. Old drunk Pete? Is old, that a character you yeah, become yeah. if you drink? I, I, like to, I like to break myself into different people so I can sure. distance myself from his choices. Sure. Uh, but that doesn't exist. Suck the Old Man's I Dick Off is fake. I can't find this either. Sharing your son with this. I got to go to like an out of print bookshop or something. Yeah. Like, well, like, you got to go to that basement in eight millimeter. <laughs> like, uh, you want snuff? Oh, nah, take God. it back a couple notches. Oh Lord. Yeah. So you get uh, that's yeah, my so interpretation. I took it to college, and I and I wait. You you read it a little bit, and it was gross. And it was then gross. I didn't it's really, in the shoebox. Yeah, but I never threw it away. I just kept it with me. And I remember going to college with it, and, and like one of the first nights there, I hooked up with a girl, and oh. I, she came back to my dorm room, and I was about to, I was about to hook up with her, and I was like. You got to see this book. Oh, this is a hilarious book. Oh my god! So she's in my dorm room, and 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 she, I pull out this book, and you think just, it's funny? I think it's hilarious. I'm like, finally, the college people will get it, right? They're like witty and erudite, right? Like, right? They're right, gonna right, get my right, sense right, of humor. Right, finally, right, right. finally, not come. Yeah, love they're not throwing these high school people. kids. Yes, and she was completely disgusted by it. 
of course, and couldn't believe what I was showing her. I was like, oh, okay, l- let's just hook up. Never mind. Forget I showed you that. Oh, my God. That, that didn't work out. That's a whole she other left? story. Uh, yo, no, we hooked up and she snuck out in the morning. I mean, these are all, I'm telling you, pieces of stories. Yeah. Like that are epic 30-minute, 40-minute stories. But she left and <laughs> well, and then I, when I dropped out of college, I t- as I said, I was back home. Well, back home living with my father and this woman in this apartment with the 30 cats and him bed hopping. Oh, my God. And whenever I would sleep with him, he would always like, right before we were falling asleep, he'd like reach over and touch my shoulder and shake me a little bit and go, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. I go, yeah. You okay? You okay? I'm like, am I okay? Yeah, what could be wrong with this picture? (laughs) Of course I'm okay. And, and one night, I got home from a long adventure of trying to track that girl I w- hooked up with in college. I heard someone told me she was a stripper at a strip club near my town. So I went and tried to find her at the strip club, this oh girl. Oh, my God. And the same girl who – the college girl who came up to the dorm. Wait. Old strippers getting all high and mighty on you and your weird well, taste in books? I went to the <laughs> strip place. Humor? I went to the Zebra Lounge, Zebra Club. Yes. And she was not a stripper. There was a girl who looked like a melted wax figure of her. <laughs> so the person who told me she worked there just thought it was her. I was drinking $2, uh, two, two Snapple minimums, and the Snapple was 8 bucks. They didn't have oh. liquor there. I get out of that place, and I was so depressed from having to try to, to look. That I, fact that I went into the strip show looking for her. Right, right, I was right. so depressed. Is this where you're walking home? I, well, I drove my dad's car. I didn't have a car. Uh-huh. And I drove his car, which was a fucked up brown <laughs> Volkswagen Quantum station wagon with a wobbly CV joint, which is this like, you know, joint in the <laughs> wheel that breaks if you're poor. And it costs $8,000 to fix. It destroys your car. <laughs> and it clicks. It goes when you're driving so I get out of that strip club I get in the car and I'm like I'm a loser I'm like a fucking loser and I was an assist. I was working at Blockbuster Video I was an assistant manager at Blockbuster Video at that time <laughs> things were fucking terrible I had no car I was doing a lot of uh, psychedelics at that time which one? Uh, shrooms and acid as yeah. much as I possibly could and I was driving home and I got to a stoplight and you know I was sitting at the stoplight <laughs> And I had this like breakdown, and I'm looking at the stoplight. Go, this is like a two o'clock in the morning or whatever, and I'm watching it going like green, yellow, red, green, yellow, red. Oh. Just just waiting, just sitting, staring at it, being like, what? I don't even know. And I was like. I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to do, and I decided to masturbate at this stoplight. So I pulled my pants down a little bit, and I started masturbating at this stoplight in this car, but I couldn't get it up, and I guess it was the Snapples. And uh, <laughs> I started looking for things in the car to excite me, and I was looking for like circulars from like like you know Caldors or you know whatever I could yeah, find, for just like a model rock. next yeah. to something, and yeah, there was yeah. nothing that was doing it. And then I found the um, owner's manual for the Volkswagen. It had like a picture of a woman like pointing to the car, but it was in the motors. It was like one of those long rectangular sort of Garfield shaped books. And I was put, I put it uh, underneath the steering wheel in like the, over the plastic of the speedometer to frame it to like, yeah, to hold, to frame it out so I could masturbate. But it kept slipping shut. It kept slipping shut. So I had to like find, I found a little like golf ball or something like that. And I jammed it there to keep it open. And I started masturbating, masturbating, masturbating. And 
I while I'm doing this, not out of horniness, by the way. You're no depression, something just to feel some you kind didn't of know thing. what else to do. No, like like a like an ape in the zoo. Like they're always Ex- diddling. Exactly. Like they're a, just like, what am I going to do? Precisely, yeah. an ape in a zoo. <laughs> and I get the, a knock came on the window, <laughs> and I and I turn and there's a cop at the window of the car. Oh, a lot of my stories have cops at windows of yes. cars. And Is he, it the same as blood face cop? <laughs> Sorry, my dick fell off a chair. Well, he he he. I rolled down the window, and he goes, "Do you put the dick away?" Uh, uh, well, I my I, my pants were like halfway down, uh-huh. so even if I had put the dick away, I like tried to cinch it up. And he goes, "He's like, what are you doing here?" And I truly had an existential moment of like, "What am I doing here? I don't uh-huh. know. What am I doing here? What am I doing here?" He goes, he goes "Are your pants down?" <laughs> I was like, "Yes, my pants are down." And he's like, get out of here. <laughs> go home. And don't just go home. And I did. And he let me go. He didn't give me a ticket or anything. And he just like let me go. <gasps> I think in both cases, the police were just like, so sad. It was yeah. so profoundly sad. They have, a, they have a ticket that they can check a box. It's just sad. That's why I let him go. Now, I did go home. About a mile from home, the car, CV joint, explodes. Now, this is a big deal. This means the car is destroyed. This is a, this is a thousands of dollars to fix this. Oh There's God. no money. Oh, my God. My father's biggest fear in the world is that the CV joint would break. And it snaps. And I'm like, oh, my God. I have to walk the rest of the way back to this apartment. Uh, I get back. To get in bed with your dad. I crawl into bed with my father. You walk. Walk back. Uneventful. Uneventful. A little bit sweaty. A little sweaty. It was get summertime. Get in bed with your dad. Get in bed with my dad. No shower. No shower. Shame still on you. Shame. He's naked. Ooh. And he puts his arm on me. He's like, he's like hey, buddy. You okay? You okay? I'm like, yeah. He goes, because I figured that's it. Yeah. And he goes, because I found this book. And I'm like, what? He goes, sharing her son with sis. <laughs> and he had, fa- I had kept the book and he had found sharing her son with sis. And I was like, yeah, that's my book. I own, that's my, <laughs> that's my favorite book. You just have to own it. You have to like, yeah, that's, I, that's my book. That's my book. <laughs> So, oh I, like, I think he just read a couple pages and went, this is I'm too like, here we go. Whose son is she, Dad? Is it, is it, wait, who's the sis? And who's the sis? <laughs> who's, you have a nice, her and you have a big she? discussion about it. Oh, God. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, there's a lot, I had a lot of experiences like that as a, <sighs> as a kid. That when you fall through the cracks, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you have a lot of weird experience. You fall in with weird, this is like, you know, either you have the experiences I had yes. or you're kidnapped and, and killed and, you know, that kind of thing. It's like kids who slip through the cracks. It's you fall in with the weirdest people. Right. The weirdest scenarios, dangerous scenarios yes. of other <laughs> desperate, fucked up people. Self-governing children who yeah. are, are, are And desperate. creepy older people and, and right. you know. Who were desperate, yeah. scared children. Who, yes, who I knew. I knew a lot of like kind of older, 20, 30-something creepazoids. Right, like you know? Dirty Steve, you said, yeah. might be murdered uh, or murdering people. Yeah. But also he might you know, have a family, and that now he's got uh, <laughs> little Dirty Steve, Steve Jr. <laughs> Jr. I can't see Dirty Steve hang, having a family, but maybe. Maybe he just threw the glove at a girl's vagina. And it just caught her right at the right <laughs> angle. I mean, you know, life finds a way. As we learned from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Life finds a way. Maybe there was some of his cum and some amber. <laughs> and aliens, That's the thing. Aliens are going to clone. In three million years. They're going to find Dirty Find the Steve. Dirty Steve's glove in amber. <laughs> and they're going to be like, this was the great race? Hey, how you they're going to clone. It's going to be Dirty Steve Island. 
with like the aliens will have this was human island and, just, and they'll be like this is what humans were like it's just a bunch of like naked dirty filthy just masturbating in jungle climates <laughs> roll up your windows <laughs> like the Wayne Knight character just gets bl- cum blasted in his oh, eyes he's like oh my god Hold on to your butt. That is fucking. <laughs> How are you going to talk about this kind of stuff on your t- on your new Turner show? I don't know. You can't. Yeah, I think we just keep doing the podcast <laughs> when we can. You, you know got to. I, I have to. Because you got to get no, your dirty out. There's no other way to do it. Yeah. There's no other way. Maybe it's like a like a like the the what's the what's the final name? Is it Midnight Show? No, we don't know. We don't you know, know those sketch guys that have a show called The Midnight Show. They, I do know they're pretty keen on us not calling it The Midnight gotcha. Show, and I'm sympathetic to that. Sure, I understand that. Even though, uh, you know, it was unintentional. I didn't know that. No, of course. But I, uh, you know, whatever you call, it, maybe it's you know Pete Holmes After Dark, right. where we go online to the podcast. Where well, you get your dirty out. I think I I would love to do extended interviews. Like, yeah. let's say you're on the show, which mm-hmm. I hope you would do. Oh you come God, on, you do a li- so you do a little anecdote. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, like. I have a couple thoughts. One, we do it dirty and we bleep it or we edit it or whatever. And then, or, or two, we just go long and all the dirty parts are like, watch that later. Online, yeah. Yeah, watch yeah. it later. You got to drive that web traffic, bro. I mean. Got to drive that web traffic. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel like if my, if my show works, it'll be on long enough to see itself evolve into a thing that the line between internet and, and the show yeah, is just blurred I, I, so it's completely. It's happening anyway. So. It's happening anyway, yeah. I feel, like, I feel like an old person every time I go, you know, it's all happening. It's all just changing. Kids are I like, know. "What are you? Why are you even talking about?" They don't even know. But I mean, like, I'm you know, I'm 34 and I'm already only watching Netflix. I I I, I, I have cable just so I can watch Mad Men when it's on. Yeah, That's I, all. I feel that way. And about, Breaking Bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, like, I keep cable for Breaking Bad. That's and, it. Um, I like Boardwalk Empire. The, 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 Somebody Game told me you can watch that stuff the day after it comes out on Apple TV. And if that's you can? true, I would cancel cable for sure. You can, but it costs you money. You have to pay. Yeah, but I mean, you're paying less than I think. I think my cable was like a hundred and blah blah dollars. And yeah, like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It, it includes the anyway. Yeah, I, you're talking about fucking somebody in college, the girl that you read the book to. Mm. When Kristen? When are you fucking? You start smoking at twelve. Well, you know, I actually my first sex experiences were actually very sweet and, and very good I'm happy I had a I'm wonderful so girlfriend in like high school clown like, or something my first girlfriend I did not have sex with you know we just fooled around and you know whatever and it was yeah. it was very innocent, total innocent you know yeah. and then my high school girlfriend who I you know I really love for what a 16 17 year old boy can love you know yeah. we had a very like sweet and it was very it was completely uh, idyllic yeah um, for great. sexual experience. Yeah, good, you got saved. I was seventeen; she was like sixteen. It was it was very normal, normal, fresh. and uh, yeah, and it was loving. very fresh. And you- I don't, something's disturbing about you calling it fresh. <laughs> it was totally fine until you said fresh for you know, some reason. I was honestly that put it into an uncomfortable. Something about what you said made me think about what I wanted to have for dinner, and I, <laughs> and I honestly think the word fresh came out like fresh to wrecked. Maybe I'll get something up from fresh to because I honestly I would admit if I was thinking about your young. Genitalia. <laughs> like, yeah, fresh. Yeah. No, that was New. one non perverse thing that was like totally great. And, yeah. And I'm still friends with uh with her, you know, my first like serious. Oh, really? Totally. That's fantastic. Totally like. And are you seeing each somebody other. now? Uh yes. And for a while? Yeah, you know, like, you know, seven, eight months, something like that. Oh, know. so somewhat new. Yeah, I would, somewhat I would new, consider yeah. that somewhat new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round the five. That's when if, – if things are going to start rearing heads, if anything's going to be reared, it's going to be around five months. Yeah. I find. Yeah. No, we get past that sort of like initial this person can do no wrong phase. Right. And, and yeah, we definitely have that. Um, 
but you know, I feel pretty good about it. It's Ooh. in good shape. Is she an improviser? No, 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 no. She's an actor. Okay. Um. So yeah, she's she's yeah, she's an actor. Do you what? Oh, is she famous? I, I don't. I, I'm not. I she's on not, something. I should probably not go into it. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but I would. Yeah, but I'll I tell understand. You what, she's very private. It's her business. And it and it's like. Well, I think she would like kill me. Let's go. Okay. If I started talking about let's her, let's keep it off. Nobody. We don't have to talk about her at all. I'm. Mm. How do you find the blend between comedian and uh, and writer, which I'm aware of, mm-hmm. comedian, writer, and actor? Do you like that? Because here, let me let me put this to you. Uh, initially, I was like, actresses, actors, fuck it. Uh, they're all psychopaths. They're all weirdos. Yeah. Uh, they're all a little bit too close to us in that they're like putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. They're aware of their profile. They're, they have agents and managers. So it seems too close and smarmy. So there'll be some like competition or at least worse than competition. You'll see in them the things you hate about yourself when you mm-hmm. see them canceling Thanksgiving to do a, a bit part in a KFC commercial. Right. Or whatever. You're like, oh, God, we're monsters. Right. Um, but as I get uh, older, I guess we'll just say older, the more I'm in show business, the more I'm kind of like, there's also this side where I'm kind of like, maybe it is this little bit of a secret club where they get it, where they'll get your life a little bit more. They'll understand your, maybe not your neuroses, but your drive and where you've come from. I think so. Is I, that where you're benefiting I, I, that's from? That's my lucky experience. I mean, that's why, I mean, you know, I... I with my current uh, girlfriend, you know, she's amazing. She's great that way. Yeah. Um, I love Zoe Deschanel. She's so funny. <laughs> she's cute. Yeah. Yeah. She's a hell of a gal. Um, and you no, know, it's, she definitely understands. Um, like she gets like, I, you know, I'm on walking dead now and, and you're on the show. I, I write for the show. Okay. Yes. And I, I was hoping that you would, Oh, I would love to be in it to let me be a zombie. I'm sure. But I'm um, writing yeah. for Walking Dead now, and it films in Atlanta, and I have to go away for like almost two months Ooh. to work film. on to yeah. So they film it in one blast. Yeah, it's filmed in Atlanta. It's like a six month filming stretch, and I have to go down there, and um, you know, for like, like a month at the first time, and then a few weeks, and and she didn't really bat an eye at that because yeah. as an actor, she's like, yeah, that's what happens it's one of the weird professions where like that sort of thing uh like uh, tj's in uh, tj has a girlfriend and all that sort of stuff and he's going away for months shooting films yeah and when he was doing yogi bear yeah yogi bear (laughs) i don't have the throat power to do it today but uh when he was when he was there like other people were there like anna ferris is there she's married they're just in new zealand for like three months yeah four months and, and it's completely normal yeah. So you're benefiting from that. Yes, she totally gets that, and I get that about her too. And 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 she's actually has a lot. She has a lot of depth and is a real person. And yeah, she's not some. You know, she's kind of the opposite of the actor type. So yeah, I kind of lucked out. I do think there is. I've met a lot of the cliche stereotype actor. Oh yeah, men and women, but and try to get into relationships with women and and have it be kind of like this is. This is tedious and awful. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we we live in this town of, of show business, but I mm-hmm. feel like there are just these few exceptions. But every once in a while, I'll step in real Los Angeles. You know what I mean? And, sure. and people just like quickly yeah. are sniffing out what you're about, what you're yeah. up to. You'll yeah. get people asking who your representation is. And I'm just like, oh, I, like – I think a lot of us have done well to exclude ourselves from that sort of life. I think we've been lucky coming from New York and kind of yes. from this alternative comedy scene. We've yes. been pretty insulated and we have like truly not – there's of course everything's competitive and kind of tough. And But we definitely have a base of truly kind I, I agree. Uh, people around us. My uh, – the girl that cuts my hair who's wonderful. <laughs> what, I know that's Talking about your uh, hairstylist? No. <laughs> it's literally it's – liter- <laughs> 
the girl who cuts my hair. It's literally a friend of mine who's, oh, okay, who's cool. wonderful at it, and and we met. She does the makeup on all our videos, and I was like, "You're wonderful. Please cut my hair." Uh, and so she does it, and she today. So I got a haircut today. Was like, "Oh, it's so brutal and backstabby out there." And I said, "Really?" And she thought I was joking because that would be a pretty standard yeah. joke to make because apparently. Everything, makeup, acting, directing, writing, is very backstabby. Yeah. But I think you said it right when it's like the, kind of the UCB and there are certainly and the exceptions. stand-up scene. The stand-up scene seems to be a little bit more everybody relax. We're all at recess. We'll all get a turn with the ball. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Just be cool. I, th- I think for the most part that's that's been my experience. I and hope so, and yeah. more people have helped me than – have 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 hindered me. Yeah, you know nobody's. I not that I know of the people I know that are yeah. trying to actively fuck people up are gone. Yeah, most of them yeah. are gone. Yeah, that's the worst thing. Like calling somebody a thief is terrible, but yeah. also calling somebody that's like backstabby or like shifty and and got a job that was supposed to be for you because they lied. Yeah, I mean we have so few of those characters. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it almost would be more interesting if we had a few more villains. Yeah, I I know. We, this yeah, is not a good be, show. Yeah, yeah, it would be great if we had just like you know. Had a couple people out there. I mean, I guess in my youth I thought I did. Yeah. And then I just didn't. You know. It wasn't that way. When you start, I feel like you think everything's out to get you. Yes. I ran into a fella recently at a show and he came up to me and he was like, I'm just losing hope. I, uh, uh, I just need some advice. I'm I'm dying out here. People are getting things and I'm not getting things, and people are stopping and it's backstabbing. I was like, "How long have you been doing it?" He was like, three years." It's like <laughs> three years. I I mean, like you want to sound old? I'm about to sound real old. I was like, and I was kind of hard on him in the way, in that tough love sort of way. I was like, "You have to assume it's going to take ten years. Just yeah. assume it'll take ten years." Yeah. And it, it might be a little bit faster for the kids behind us now just sure. because of uh, there's the There's a little internet. bit more of a of a, a, ra- a road paved, yeah. Yeah, there's a road paved and, and that road is curved and you can kind of s- yep. slalom down it and shoot yourself pretty quickly, some of them. And that's what's killing these kids. I mean, they're talking about like uh, these some of the people that come up and they've been doing it three years and they do get a TV show. Yeah. And I feel like that was happening in the 80s and that made the people behind us uh, or in front of us, I guess, it made them a little bit bitter. But I feel like we lucked out. We were in a, a nice little cushy pocket where it did seem a little bit more like a meritocracy, and uh, and hopefully we, we don't have that hate for each other. Yeah, I don't. I mean, uh, there was time. I mean, certainly I can get, I can get annoyed with personalities of people, and and yeah. but who doesn't? You right. know, you got on Twitter and you get the mild annoyances sure. throughout the day, and you're yeah. like, oh, that guy's a fucking idiot, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or oh, she's a fucking da da da. But I don't genuinely feel that in my bones right. it's something you like a passing thought you have yeah. and I certainly would never uh, sit and go how can I fuck that person right, right, right if right. I get my chance you know it's there's like, room at the table it's yeah. a big table yeah. and there's plenty of mashed potatoes and even yeah. if you run out there's a new batch coming out in 15 uh, <laughs> that's there fuck you go it, you got a 15 minute cycle on your yeah, batches yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mashed potatoes this showbiz table we got potatoes you just like cranking them out you gotta you know I you just gotta, hope, I hope you're you can prepping eat. new potatoes you put them in the oven just get this 15 minutes going you're constantly shifting in that's and that's great. what you're doing in the back for the first 10 years you're just peeling potatoes oh my god but those are for the people that are getting their potatoes the, and, the, and you i'm sure you recall like how small your horizons were of what was important um the milestones you wanted to hit that you would have killed for yes and now you look back and you're like my god like that was so small that's another old guy thing but i yeah. do look back and i'm like that meant everything, everything. i remember everything. saying something and i bet you can relate to this where i was like uh, the first set I did in New York, I was like, I just did comedy. 
Yeah. In New York Yeah, totally. City. Of course. And you, to this day, when I see the skyline, you know, you're going over like the Triborough or like one of the better looking bridges. And you're like, I do comedy in that city. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> there is like a, there's a little bit of a, you put your dick in it yeah. sort of feel where you're I mean, like, we, ah. Me and my old comedy partner, Gemberling, I mean, when we, we were, I was, and I was much more driven than him you know he was more chill he's so um, chill he's a chill is guy. he a big stoner because every time uh, i see him i'm like are you like, stoned? Stoned? Are you super chill i think he goes in phases sometimes being high and then kind of not but i never really knew him as a stoner right stoner has a judgment to it he just seems like pleasantly unfazed and cool i think that's kind of i his... keep meaning to have him on the show he's gonna feel bad you gotta have him on. I, he's I, so I, funny I, he's great but he you know it's like when we got a sketch show at the ucb in new york at the old theater um you know, it was – we were like – The biggest whoa. deal. Well, it was like a Monday night at right, like 8 right, o'clock right, right, or something. Right, right, right. Like nobody wanted to come see it. And But it was – you know, I, I don't mean to put it down because it really was the beginning. Like I can trace like the trail of, of my career to that sketch show. It's so funny. I, I Really? Oh, you know, people came and saw that. The guy who was – People, you mean like showbiz people? Like, well, the audience – an audience liked it. Yes. Our, our friend Jake Fogelnest, who we didn't know too much at that time, but like a little bit, he came and saw it. He really liked it. Thought it was really stupid and funny. Was it just you and Gemmerling? Yes. Okay. And can I interject and say yeah. that that right there is a decent business model? I hate to say this, but one of the reasons why stand-up always eclipses or has a tendency to eclipse uh, improv groups is because it's easier to shine when there's one person. Absolutely. And in, what makes stand-up good makes improv bad. If you're stealing every scene and you're dominating and you're just doing jokes, you're an asshole. Right. But, but two-man improv is... Well, we, it was an improv. It was all sketch. sketch. It was written stuff. This was written... I mean, we did improv Even too. better. And, and, you know... I mean, to, to package something and to present something, to have a product that you can deliver... I hate it, to speak this way, but I mean, like, it takes some of the guesswork out of it. We, we were so uncouth and unaware of the business. We didn't know anything like that. We just right. knew we, we, we liked each other and wanted to put up stuff. Yeah. And Jake saw it. Then he told this guy, Tom Janis, who came and saw it. And he was like the new showrunner of the new man show or something. And he saw us and he... The new man show? Yeah, like the one with like... Um, <laughs> Hello. Doug Stanhope and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, yeah. And he was like, well, I want you guys to be contributing writers. It was our first like paid writing gig yeah, out of that. Yeah. And then from that, you know, we were able to parlay that into other, you know, stuff at Comedy Central. We sold a couple scripts. Yes. And from that, we sold a show to Adult Swim. And right. from Adult Swim, I was able to get, uh, uh, sell stuff at MTV. And from that, I was able to go back to Adult Swim and work with Paul Shear on NTSF. And then from that, the, the, the you know I was got to be known by some of the people at Walking Dead and met them through that Still. and then ended up at and ended up at Walking Dead. That's amazing. So it all you know there's definitely a line that connects all these things. It's, it's so good amazing. to remember that stuff and to replay that story for you. But yeah. that's like a real that's like that's like old school UCB. I hope UCB remains that sort of thing because it was such a breeding ground uh, for people finding people and and letting them most shoot definitely up like that. You, no matter whether you're sketch or improv or stand up or whatever. I, I think people should gravitate to places like UCB right. just because you find so many like-minded people. So even if you don't ki- give a shit about being part of the UCB community right. or cult or whatever, yes. to be around it, yeah. you're going to find friends. And fi- be as involved yeah. as you'd like to be. Yeah. But you are going to find like-minded yes. people. If you're, yeah. at a, if you're at a club or, or, or any kind of venue, even if it is UCB, let's say you go to UCB and you're just like, this is not what I'm aiming for, this is not what I'm going after, then it's not right for you. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and who knows? Maybe uh, I shouldn't just limit it to UCB. Maybe it's Laugh Factory or a comedy store. Yeah. Whatever the scene is, you're That's what in, I'm saying. Hang. And, and, I kind of didn't yeah. finish the point. I'm glad you finished it for me because I just <laughs> let that one die. <laughs> what I meant was maybe you go to the Laugh Factory and you're like, this is what I'm after. Yeah. Just yeah. make sure when you look to your left and your right, you're like, these are the people. Because if, you're, if that's not right, don't get bang, out of there. Don't bang your head against the wall. Exactly. It's yeah. not that. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. When I went to UCB and when I started doing uh, – doing, you taught one of my classes. You would I sub, did? You'd sub one of my classes. No kidding. It was, it was wild, man. I was super – going back to the beginning, I go on my note, love up on Gwyn. <laughs> it, was so, it was so incredible because you're a wonderful – you're on Death by Ruru. Yes. And that's just one of the, the teams, one uh, of the biggest, best teams. It was fun. It was an, it's, it's I haven't phenomenal. done it in about a year. Improv? I haven't. Well, I've done improv. I haven't performed with the uh, Death by Ruru out here in about a year or so. Interesting. Yeah, because I mean, it, I do think it's really funny and good, but it, you know, it's not the same group. It's kind of a weird. It's it's a like you know, it's franchised. There's one in New York and one in L.A. There is. And whenever yeah, and whenever you franchise something, it's sort of like. You need more people in, and yeah. and I don't know. Like I go back to New York, and I like the people, sure, but I barely know them, right? You know, I'm like I know Neil, and I know right. Anthony and right. Gavin, but the other guys, and I like them. They're cool people, but I'm just like I don't really. But know maybe those guys. The, the magic of the team and the magic of like mother yeah, and all that sort yeah, of stuff was that they all knew each other. Yeah, you guys yeah. didn't have to rehearse. I no. hate to say that because no, so many improv though. teams need to rehearse. Yeah, more. we never rehearsed. You never rehearsed. No. And you just went out and you'd kill it. Yeah. Is there something that uh, I like asking this of my improv uh, people that are on the show? Is there something that you feel like is lacking like the young improvisers that, that listen to this show or even the stand-ups that do improv some sort of philosophy that really changed the way you approached improv some sort of lesson um well i it's one it's one of those things where where i definitely became sort of a devotee of the system or whatever the classes and, right. the, and the, way, the way of learning yes and then rejected it wholly when I finally was when I got out there with the people we did everything they tell you not to do yeah we did that and I think all the great groups kind of like cut it loose and go right "Eh," you know because you have the innate ability to 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 bring it back to you can paint photo realistically but you'd rather do an abstract I think the, the 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 advice is to don't have such a big ego when you start that you can't just kind of humble yourself to doing it but then don't be such a that's such a uh, stickler, uh, uh, yeah, a, a fucking like a nerd for right for rules. rules, yeah. Because then you're just the guy upholding the rules, and you get mad when you see other people. Yeah. They didn't do it the right. right way, but they were fucking funny. Who right. cares? Right, 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 right. I'm sure it's true for stand up and everything else. It's like who cares if they did it the right way, or the wrong way? They're funny and we're, great. We're sounding like two old men, but I, 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 <laughs> I, I no, but I'm about to sound even more like an old man. It's just like. The play by the rules period is essential. Like yeah. learning how to tell a joke. You can't go on stage your first year or whatever. I mean, you again, there's always exceptions, but it's good even if you are going to be free flowing and improv in your stand up, it's good to learn how to write a couple jokes. Yeah, and it's absolutely. good to learn how in improv to start a scene with like I've never broken into a museum before. Right. Are you <laughs> sure you know what you're doing, dad? Right, right, right. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Yeah. And then work your way up to like the no word initiation sure, or whatever or crazy. just waste I'm, of time. I'm, I'm on Mars and I have pussy hands, you know. And, yeah, yeah, you know, old pussy hands. Old pussy hands. I love it, that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always I think it's sort of like and I you know like you know, uh, I don't know for sure, but I bet if you asked Andy Warhol in his prime, hey, could you can you paint me sort of like a renaissance? Yes. He'd probably do it. He's done a lot of bowls of fruit. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it's like a, he did it 
and then he was like, well, I'm going to do something. I can't right. do that anymore. That's what's I'm crazy. I'm going to do something completely different. And that's what, right. I, what I know about painting and art is it has a lot to do with who you apprentice under and you have to mm-hmm. learn. You have to have a certain pedigree. It's like this guy learned the ropes. So UCB right. offers something pretty valuable in a lot of different places. Whatever the next UCB is going to be or yeah, if it's yeah. going to continue to be UCB, who cares? What I'm saying is they say like, come here and we'll punch your card. Yep. And we'll say that you at least showed up six times once a week with somebody who we say knows how, what they're doing yeah. and you learn the rules. And then, you know, breaking the rules later, that, that is fine. You can't get too in your head about asking questions no. or saying no or any of I that mean, stuff. I mean, so many shows where all I did was ask questions and scream no that were so good. <laughs> really? Yes. That I were love so that. fucking funny and yeah. terrific because yeah, the yeah, people yeah. were great. Yeah. You know, and I also I would say that life is short. Get get with the people that you want to perform with. Yes. You know, don't don't kid around too much. It's with funny, that. even even in stand up, there's a parallel there where it was. I saw the guys, one of my guys, and I talked about it when he did the show was Mulaney, and I was just I saw Mulaney perform, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in this kid's crew. You know what I mean? And it was very deliberate. It was almost like a wooing, and I'm kind of like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Give him a juice box sort of thing, hanging yeah. out by the same lamppost. Yeah. Just try and but that's the thing is it's like. Who you're around so profoundly affects the sort of work you're doing. Who are you trying to impress? Yep. You know what I mean? It should, to a certain extent, be the audience, but it should also maybe even to a greater extent be your, your fellow performers. I think so. In our case, it definitely was. Like we, we love an audience, of course, but we weren't concerned with them. It yeah. was we were making each other laugh. And when you have really – like in the, the group was like you know Brett Gelman, myself, John yes. Gamberling, Neil yes. Casey – you know, uh, all these people, Anthony Tamanick, uh, these guys, Jackie Clark, um, these people all went on, Gil Ozeri, Adam Pally, yeah. all went on to be very successful. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. these are some of the funniest people going. Yeah. They're all working comedians and writers and extremely talented. And uh, we, you know, you're trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. And when you get a group of people together who are really funny making each other laugh, well, it's, it's obviously the audience is going to think it's funny because right. you are funny people right, right, right. making each other laugh. Right, right, right. Yeah. You're not off base no. at no. all. No. Nah, that's so so it doesn't get a little weird. <laughs> yeah, well, so they might be getting some new shit that they're yeah. not. They're like, "What the fuck was that?" That you all think was great, right? The audience is like, "We're not." It's like in, at the end of Back to the Future, where he's like playing the metal, and they're like, "Well, yeah, you know, you'll get it. Your kids will like it." Yeah, someday. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll they'll grow into yeah. it. Yeah, that's that's really wild. Can you talk about more um, that Thanksgiving that you went to with the cats? Oh my god! I just want to go back to stories for a minute. Sure. Yeah. I, I oh, man, I love comedy theory, but I feel like we did yeah, good. We did. I yeah, think we, we did good. We were so good. I really felt and like that's the part of the that they're going to fast forward over. Like, no, okay, I boy, actually, boy, boy. I actually believe that that uh, people get a lot out of that part. I hope they. Do. I hope they do. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that Thanksgiving. Well, you know, I had a I had a weird Easter. <laughs> Can there, I ask too. one more question? Sure. Before we get to Easter. Sure. What did you do about your face? Did you go to the hospital? I went to the hospital the next day. The next day. The next day. Dried blood. Yeah, I had meat on my face the whole thing. Like, what do you mean meat? Like, like my brother put meat on my face, like a steak, you know? Oh, my God. Whatever. Like, I think we saw that in the Brady Bunch once or something. Like, you're supposed to put meat yeah, on your face. Yeah, with the football. Yeah. Did, uh, so you slept? Slept barely. Had a broken hand. You could have had a concussion. Probably did. I don't know. And I went and they sewed me up and, and it was fun. They put See, a cast this, on this, there's, there's a little bit of a lesson here. 
for all the people uh, like me that then have kids and then I'm just like coming from that stupid Lexington place where I'm like, we got to like sanitize everything <laughs> and make sure the baby isn't inhaling too much dust and we got to make sure those peas are organic. Meanwhile, you're like drinking lamb piss and you got a fucking <laughs> steak on your face that you slept with a concussion and a shattered hand and you're all right. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I'm okay. Life I know a lot of away. people who weren't. I mean, there's some people from that scene of kids and people I know who, you know, I guess they're all okay. But, for example, I don't, I'm not trying to exploit their lives, but, I mean, there was a group of kids who I came up with who were kind of in that same – a little bit older than me, like one or two years older than me, who were all uh, – rented a house in our town and they were all murdered by their landlord. I mean, they had a house in our town. And or the next town over, and um, they had some crazy landlord, and they got in some kind of dispute with him, and he came up there and shot them all in the head and burned the house down, you know. And it was the same scene of kind of like you know they were good kids. I actually really liked those guys, um, but you know they were part of that scene of kids who were like kind of like smoking weed and hanging out and wow know, fucking around a little bit, and you oh. know those kids got wow. killed, you know. I, by no means am I putting that on them. I mean, yeah. it was a psychopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, we were – I'm just speaking to the sense of like it was, kind it, of being on your own at yeah. such a young age. Right. You get involved sometimes with crazy shit. Right. You're and renting sometimes the house. you're lucky and you get through it. Right. And sometimes terrible things happen. I consider myself very lucky that I'd kind of dance through yes. the raindrops of danger. A it would bit. be so great. Sometimes I like to think when you get to, if there's some sort of thing like heaven, that they show you a reel of all the times you almost died. <laughs> yes. Yours would be like four hours. Yeah. I mean, I so many times that I thought things were going to end very badly. A lot of, like, I was at a lot of places where guns got pulled out. You know, I've been really? held at gunpoint before. What? And, you know, in college, when? some some guy want, came over to this house. I was at a, a party, and this towny guy came over. He called himself the Richinator. I'm the Richinator up in Oneonta, New York. And he came over with a high powered rifle, and he just like held it up. And he was like, "Can I borrow twenty dollars?" And everyone was like, "Uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah." Yeah, yeah. It was like a bit robbery. Yeah, well, he was doing yeah. a joke, but he but did. it was he really wanted the money. Yeah. You know, and it was just sort of drunk. It was one of those things where it's drunken and drug fueled, and everything's uncomfortable. Everything mm. kind of freezes in that moment, mm. and you're like, "Oh, well, this is, this could go very bad, very badly right now." This guy's completely obliterated and and a weirdo, and and you know he might shoot somebody here. You know, and I've had people like pull out guns at, at at bonfire parties, pistols, and things like that, and you know in the scene of kids that were like the burnout kids, the troubled teenagers, the ones who were like <laughs> fucked up. You see a lot of crazy shit. Oh my God. A lot of fighting, a lot of like very edgy, dangerous stuff. Oh. You know? Wow. Um, you do need a comic book or a movie or something. <laughs> you really do. I would love to do, you know, someday I'll, I'll get it together and kind of make the book of it, you know, or, or the movie of it or the comic book of it or something. Cause it's a graphic novel. Cause it really was like just a series of strange Strange, exper- constant experiences. Yeah, and the people around me, I think, were probably more interesting than I was at that time. They were more adventurous. Yeah, I was more trying to survive, and I was just involved. I was a witness to a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't necessarily always participating in everything. I was kind of like a chicken shit sometimes to participate in things. Yeah, but I was always with people who were acting crazy or being crazy or in a crazy situation. But I mean, that reservation kept you alive and it kept you not yeah. too involved. And I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, 
I definitely, definitely. That's, I mean, that's happy. I never went off the deep end with into drugs or alcohol, really, as a kid. I'm interested. I, I, I'm. I've done mushrooms probably five or six times maybe in my life, and I love them so much. And can you tell me about how you got involved in, in with psychedelics? What was your first psychedelic? Was acid. You and started. Digital. It was fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, it was. I truly had the ABC after school special experience of LSD. What? I was. I. <laughs> I was with my friend. I, I'm not going to name them because who knows if they're working or Timmy whatever. Timmy Screwdriver. People, yeah. You know, I'll call them... Uh, Slimy I'll, Steve. Uh, I'll call them uh, uh, Lewis and, and Lewis Hill and and, uh, and Brad. Okay. I was with Lewis Hill and Brad. Uh-huh. And uh, my friend Lewis was uh, kind of the ringleader a little bit. He was the guy who got the drugs. He was sort of like a Vermont... He was from Connecticut, but he like was up in Vermont going to school, and he was like a uh, grew his hair long, be long, Grateful Dead, and the fish yeah, and, yeah. and fish, and I call him the fish, like an old man. The fish. And uh, he always had the psychedelics, and he was very experienced with them. And he came down. He's like, I think if you want, I got this acid, and we're gonna do. It. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna do acid. Holy shit! So we met at the. How old? I'm probably I guess 18 or something, and. We met at the Danbury Fair Mall, which is the big mall in Connecticut, or one of. It's that's yeah. Danbury's. It's a big, ugly mall. It's like the, the Dawn of the Dead Mall, and um, so we meet in the parking lot there, and we do. Uh, it's called Pink Sunshine Acid, hits of Pink Sunshine. Oh no! And he's like, they're really strong, you know. He's like, they're double dipped. So I don't know if that's real, a real thing or something, but that's what they used to claim, like they double dipped it. Oh my and, god! And uh, so we each do a hit. Now. About an hour in, I'm feeling kind of funny and goofy, and I'm like, whoa, this feels really weird. I feel, and I'm laughing, and we're driving around in a Jeep Wrangler with the top off in the summertime. Mm. And we're just driving. Wait, the guy on acid is driving? He's driving. driving. Lewis is driving. He's on acid. Brad's in the passenger seat. I'm in the back seat with Hill. Everyone's on acid. Everyone's on acid. And he he's can handle it. On this a double guy, dip. Lewis can handle it. He's driving around. He's like, it's nothing. You know, it's no big deal to him. And we went, you know, and like kids would hang out at, at like the rec center at night. Uh, you know, people would be playing soccer or basketball with the lights on in like these towns. And there was the, the rec center in Richfield, Connecticut, where we went and went to hang out. And back then we had pagers, you know, and I, like people were paging us oh, and, you know, God. we're hanging out in this parking lot. Oh, and I started to get a little away from myself. And I was like, hey, guys, guys, you know what this is like? You know, you know what this is like? This is like. Um, you know what? Like, like a dragon. Like when a dragon, like when a dragon, it's like, but it's behind you. And like, but when you turn around, it's like, don't turn around, don't turn around. And you got to turn around, it's a dragon. And they were just like, dude, you've got to like chill. You've you got to calm down. You got to calm I was like, ah, oh, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Are you seeing things at Not this point? yet. Oh, boy. You're, you're just, just getting weird. You're just feeling I'm it. feeling like euphoria. Yeah. Like a sense of total body. Kind of like you would get on ecstasy or something. Like a body, a body euphoria high. where you're kind of like, I feel good. You, you, start, you start to lose feeling a little bit. You feel a little like your body isn't there. Yeah. It's a weird feeling of like just being mind floating yeah. around without your body, but you're moving. <laughs> and to calm me down, we went to this Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, that'll help. Yeah. We go in the Dunkin' Donuts, and now I go in the bathroom, and I'm like, okay. They're like, calm down. Just use the bathroom. Get some water in your face. Drink, you know, whatever. I go in the bathroom. I'm putting water on my face, and I look up in the mirror, and my – like out of a horror movie, my eyes are just black. Like the entire mm. eyes are just – Like sockets. Yes. Like, and it's like hallucination. I went, oh, and I kind of jerked back, and it was gone. But then I knew – I mean, then it went from being a pleasurable experience into like darkness. I was like, ooh. Uh oh! Like 
the mood changed. Now, I had yeah. no experience with psychedelics, so I didn't know what that portended. No one told you don't look in the mirror? I've never done acid, but people told me don't look in the mirror. Yes, I've, I've learned that. Yeah, you and learned that immediately. Oh, my God. So you got get minority back in report the, in eyes. The, <laughs> <laughs> we get back in the Jeep and we're driving around and it's the countryside of... Um, Did you tell them? No. No. I was like, that's for me. Uh, that's not to shared. That's not shared material. I was scared now. Yeah. So my fear started to build up. And you're up. keeping it to yourself, which makes Keep, it doubly scary. It's like bouncing around my brain like a fucking... Like a, like a, like a, like a ping pong ball. Just like bang, bang, or pinball. Yeah, bang, yeah, bang, yeah, yeah, bang. yeah. The fear of it. I'm in the, oh. this Jeep. I'm in the back. It's summer. It's beautiful. It's nighttime. And we're driving around. We're just driving around like the countryside through the through the back winding roads of Connecticut. And I'm staring up at this canopy of trees, you know. And uh, my friend Lewis is like, "I'm going to put on this album by this band, a Wicker Man." And it's like heavy metal. It's like heavy metal. Yeah, it's like Vermont heavy metal or something. And it's just you know, it has samples from Hellraiser, that oh. movie, that horror movie. Like it's like it's like Kirsty, we have like such sights to show you, like crazy oh. shit. I start getting really afraid. I'm like, oh, 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 I'm like starting to fidget a little bit. My friend Hill is like, hey man, calm down, calm down. He's like, let's just let's just. No one thought turn off the music. No, no, no. I was scared to say to turn it off. So I'm like, my friend Hill's like, hey man, let's just, let's just, just look at me. Just look at me, man. Just look at me. Just look at me. Like I'm here with you, you know, look at me. Just keep your focus on me. So we're looking at each other. So he knows you're scared. He knows. His face starts to shift a little bit. Like just starts to move a little bit. In two different directions. In two different directions. And then it's like a snap, bang. His face blows out and it's like full hallucination, demon He's a demon with like pinwheel eyes and big round yellow head, giant mouth with a tongue that lashed out and lashed around the car. I screamed and I tried to leap from this moving Jeep. Oh, my God. And they stopped the car. They grabbed me like, Jesus Christ. And then we started hugging each other. He starts screaming because when I did that, he started hallucinating something evil on me. We're screaming in the back of this uh, Jeep. My friend Lewis is like, oh, my God, calm down. Everybody calm down. Just chill. He changes the music. He's like, just relax. And to his credit, he was very, he was very guru-like and very shaman-esque spirit guide. He was like, it's cool. It's cool. Everyone calm down. He's like, we're just going to drive home. It's no big deal. We're driving home. And like all my stories today. Cops. We get pulled over. Oh, this cop my God. pulls us over. The fucking price-slashing Walmart guy is in the back seat with you with this, his tongue. <laughs> this cop does not know how close i came to leaping and like either attacking him or like running into the woods i was so scared i'm in the back seat of this jeep and the, there's red and blue lights hitting the seat in front of me you know from his from this his is car. a true terror i mean i was this story is a true terror. i was gripped in horror gripped with i'm horror. gripped i feel sick i oh go he, on cop comes up and he's to lewis he's like so you have anything to drink tonight he's like nope he hadn't smoking anything no but he cop knew he's taking one look at us he knows something's fucked up yeah but he doesn't have he's like why do you have red eyes then and my and louis is like i always have red eyes just always he's like do you mind if i like look he kind of like searched a bag or something nothing is there we didn't have anything are you looking at the cop? i'm staring straight ahead looking at the canvas of the back of a seat you know uh-huh. and the cop is like 
he just had to cave. He just was like, didn't know what to do. <laughs> he made our book. I think he made our guy get out and do a little roadside. And then my friend Lewis did roadside tripping out of his fucking skull and passed. Oh, my God. Got He's back. a pro. He's a pro. Vermont. Vermont. He gets back in the Jeep. He takes us home. The cop lets us go. And we got back home and he put on this. Remember these DVD series from the night? It's called The Mind's Eye. No. Do you remember the, it was just like. A, Is this something we should watch? You should tripping? definitely watch the. Well, now and even then it was so corny. It was just like CGI animation collages that were like two Wait, hours long. I think I know some like, of that stuff. Like, like diagram heads yes. like going back and forth. When I watch like Terrence McKenna YouTube, <laughs> it's just audio and they play something it's, like that's that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. Someone pouring their face into yes, a bowl. Exactly. <laughs> so we watched that. I made up a bunch of rules about how people weren't allowed to walk in front of me or behind me. They had to keep talking, but they couldn't talk too loud. I was like, just to keep me calm. Yeah. And they went for it, you know? And oh my god, you're capturing the. Fe- I haven't even had a freak out anywhere near this bad, but you're really making me there's, feel. There's that. more to it. There's more craziness, but, but yes, no, stay with I, it. No, I don't mean, wrap it no, up. No, no, don't no. you wrap it up? No, no, no. I, I not this one. I had, not this one, Curtis. I had images of a plant man, like a part plant. His body was a plant, but he was the head of a man, kind of like telling me about my life and sort of like <laughs> he came out to instruct you. He was instructing me about the the, the dragon thing. He was like. He was. It was just you know. It was in your mind's eye. It wasn't literally out next to me. Right. I wasn't listening. It was in my mind's eye, and I was. And he was sort of like, "Are are you?" He's like, "So the, this dragon, you know." I was like, "Oh yeah, this dragon." This he's like, and it was so it's such a cliche experience. But yeah. he's like, he's like, but he's like, aren't aren't you the dragon? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. yeah, mind blowing, yes. like the doors base of perception blown up. You know, I mean, he's just so so eighteen year old boy. Man. Plant man. What Plant else? Man. Um, you know, that's kind of it were for you that tra- story. Were you tra- yeah. Let me ask you this. Were you trying to stare at normal things? The one bad trip I had, here's something that we have in Oh, common. you have done psychedelics. I've done mushrooms. Okay. Yeah, I, but never acid. Mm-hmm. And that story doesn't make me want to do acid. I did it a bunch more times. There were a few good ones and a few bad ones. I want to hear everything. <laughs> I'd like to hear everything. But the, the I, I've already told the story on the show, but like the idea that I was playing guitar... I was with uh, Nick Thune, and I looked down. I was playing his guitar, and I looked down, and uh, this hand, this hand right here, this left hand, uh, had uh, tw- like 12 fingers on the hand. <laughs> and just like you with the no eyes, that's when everything turned. I was yeah. like, no! Yeah. Like, it's an out-of-control hallucination. It makes you want to run. It makes you want to run, but you can't go yeah. anywhere. You get flight feelings you right away. flight feeling. Yeah. But you can't. Uh, and you can't fight either. Yeah. So I just laid on a couch and I just wrote it out and I stared at the – I tried to find the most boring thing I could find. I, I, it just never worked for me. I, everything just become menacing. You know, I had so many – So scary. I had so many bad trips. So wait, I, the second time you did acid, what was that? I swore I was never going to do it again after that. Yeah. I was like, I'm never going to do it again. Then I did it again and I had like an amazing when you experience. Were, when you were coming down from the bad one, did it get good? No. I it, was just traumatized and I had to work the next day and I was like working at a at a – telemarketing place in the oh, summertime my God. it was a summer job it was just so i was like oh well, i'll never do that again and then of course a few weeks later i was like right back at it a couple weeks later yeah, a couple weeks later just back at it not a double dip though i, I wouldn't know the next one was called window panes you remember what it was called yeah i remember there was there was pink sunshine and window panes and i can't remember the, there were some other ones wait and know. window panes was good yeah, it was pretty good. And Tell me about a good well, one. Well, window panes I did, I took, as, I took acid and saw Pulp Fiction. You saw the movie? For the first time. Oh, I thought you were just saying that you hallucinated it. You watched it. You no, watched no, I the took movie. acid and went to see Pulp Fiction in the theater when it came out. It was, had just come out. 
and I went and saw it. See, all of this is so much more ambitious than I've ever been. And I think it goes back to our childhoods. You're going out into the riffraff, and I say that respectfully. I'm just <laughs> saying you're going out into the woods and you're looking at porno books and all that sort of stuff, whereas I was staying at home. <laughs> so when I do mushrooms, I go up to like Big Bear and get a cabin. Yeah. And I'm like, we're not leaving. Yeah. I would never get in a car. Yeah. And I would never even watch a movie. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to look at the clouds and if there's a bird, we'll deal with the bird. <laughs> but, you're, but like that adventurous spirit, which you called yourself not that ambitious mm. or not that adventurous, from where I'm sitting, it's ambitious. Even just well, leaving the house on a drug. I think is shrooms are, are are can be very potent, obviously, but a little bit gentler on your on your high. From my experience, yeah, we used to make a thing. We called we called shrooms mung, and we used to do mung stew, where you'd make a big psychedelic soup. Mung the the spit around a dog's mouth. Is that what that's called? That's what mung is. Then that's we had no idea. I know that because there was it. a hardcore band in Boston called <laughs> Mung. <laughs> That's funny. It's a I great didn't, name. That's perfect. Yeah. And we would we make a stew out of it, and we would we would drink it, and out of the mushrooms, out of the mushrooms. And I remember a couple of experiences. One where uh, my friend turned into he looked like Mac tonight, the old <laughs> like the like the, the, the crescent moon head. I'm right there. And I like ran away. I was like ah, oh, like ran off. So you're taking enough to have really full on hallucinations. That same night, I looked out the windows of this house. And I saw like Byzantine temples like uh, everywhere. Wow! Uh, I did, I did, uh, I did LSD or or was it opium? I can't remember something at Woodstock Two. I went to Woodstock Two. <laughs> this is the lamest sense of all time. I think I did opium at Woodstock Two. The worst. I think it was Green Day. I think it was really tripping pretty hard during Green Day. Did you throw uh, uh, dirt at them? I was. I saw that all happen. I wasn't yeah. in the. Pit I was at home watching that on TV with my mother. True story. <laughs> And she goes, he's not even playing. Uh, yeah. Because he was just hitting the open chord. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, I think he's playing. Well. Yeah. I had fun at that, but it was the stupidest, in retrospect, it's just like the worst, lamest yeah. thing of all time, except for Woodstock 3, which was like, a, like they had riots and people got seriously hurt. Oh, really? Yeah. They had it I on like a, they didn't even have it on grass. They had it on like a fucking concrete of like an Air Force, abandoned Air Force base or something. Oh, it was my God. Terrible. That's a horrible idea. Uh, but yeah, I did. I saw like that experience, I saw like, a, like I, I was laying in a field and I just saw like the entire sky was gold clocks for like a little while well, I was just like completely hallucinating out of my mind completely on blasted. opium yeah and I think we might have done LSD earlier in the day and it didn't feel like it had taken I was like I think we got ripped off this is kind of bunk yeah it didn't really do anything yeah it's not mung it's bunk yeah and then and then I smoked opium well the opium like, unlocked yeah the acid it really really unlocked everything and I started hallucinating clocks and things like that and and I got okay with that after a while. You were okay. You were like, I'm hallucinating. Yeah. Your ego stayed with you enough to be like, Curtis, you're having a trip. Yeah. You, and yeah. you didn't disappear. Yeah. Would you ever do like DMT, something really crazy? No, I was really too scared to do it. Do you know always, people that did it? I knew people who claimed to have done it. I don't know if I, I think I believe them. You kind of believe um, them. But yeah, I had never done that myself. I read about in, uh, I think it was Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. I think one of the characters does DMT and he sees like fractals for the rest of his life or something. Like he's like, uh, his vision's like fractaled. Oh for, my God. And I was, after I read that, I was like, nope, nope, I'm never going to do it. Wait, that's a true story. I don't know if it's, I mean, oh it's from, my you know, God. it's from that book. So it, I don't that's, know if it's that's, true. That's fiction. But that like scared the shit out of me. You know, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do DMT. Well, I mean, even when it's a success, it's terrifying. I think about it all the time. I, I'm just interested. It's not so much drugs. Mm. Drugs are interesting. But it's the mind's capacity to create lifelike environments that make you think they're real. Like your brain 
with no real assistance, that's what meditation is and that's what dreaming is. Mm-hmm. You have those dreams that are so vivid and you see those Byzantine things. Mm-hmm. That gives you a waking dream. But really your brain is so powerful. People that take DMT say that they're like inside of a Michelangelo painting. Yes. And I'd like to – I don't think I have to say I heard it's like acid crack. I've heard it's like you're up and then you're down. And like, oh, really? I heard it's like 15 minutes and you're done. I heard it was more of a teleportation thing where mm. you smoke it and you're gone and it feels like I've heard that it can feel like weeks mm. and then you come back and it was only 15 <laughs> that minutes. That sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, well, it's terrifying. <laughs> and everyone that does it agrees on one thing and I Jesus. would like to say that I am not endorsing this and I, I, I don't think I would ever do it. I, I would be way too terrified to do it. Mm. Uh, but like they get the feeling that they're like just – they disappear. They're in like the clouds of Michelangelo's paintings, those like golden yeah, yeah. hued clouds. You think you're dead. Everyone thinks they're dead. So that's that's part of the experience. You think you're dead. And then the next thing this woman was saying was that she was just floating in outer space, but not in the fun way, in the way that you realize in every direction, not just up, down, left, right, every single possible direction, there's nothing for thousands of miles just suspended in air. And she said it was the scariest thing that's ever happened to her in her life. And then uh, usually they say something like, and I would never trade it for anything. Yes. I mean, I knew a, I, I, I dated this girl a little bit in New York, and she was this really talented musician, really lovely person. And she had done, I think either salvia or DMT, like an extreme amount once. And she said, I think it might have been salvia. And oh, she God. said to me, she, she was like, yeah, you know, I asked her what the experience was like. And, and she said, well, She'd done it a couple times maybe and, and the one time really scared her because she did it. Everything was gone. Everything was gone. The world disappeared. The world disappeared and it was – she was gone. Her, her sense of self was gone and it was just these squiggly blue lines in black, in blackness, dark, total darkness and these squiggly blue sort of neon lines that were saying to – it's like they were like in this man's voice were like, it's okay. Like you can be dead. You can be gone. It's totally – Okay, you're fine. You're fine to be gone. It's so don't sweat it. Don't it, be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. It's funny that and she woke up and was terrified. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another DMT thing yeah. is Duncan Trussell. All this stuff is mostly coming from Duncan. Told me that it's a very common experience that people smoke and you have to like hit it three or four times. Big, big hits of DMT if you're going to smoke it. And then you can also inject it if you can find that. Jesus Christ. Uh, but uh, then you see some sort of portal, very much like a Stargate. Mm-hmm. You get sucked into it. You it's see sad it. that I know what a Stargate is. I know. We fine. both yeah. do. And I said it. And there's, you see like impossible mathematics everywhere mm. and, and fractals. You just see yeah. like repeating patterns that are so intricate that you're just like, how could I be manufacturing this? How could mm. I be making this? It's way too complicated for my comprehension. Then you go through the tunnel. And then on the other side, just like your squiggly line story, there's just a group of aliens, like aliens. Sentient. I've heard that's a pretty common refrain with these right. aliens. And they go like, it's okay. And they spend like 10 minutes calming you down. Who, do, who, how, these are very presumptuous aliens. Well, who's taking the calm down the humans coming into our world shift? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like some of them are like, flying oh, around. Fuck, I, I drew the short straw. Uh, exactly. These screeching, yeah. f- flailing human beings. I gotta go. It's okay. You're going to be all right. It's you not go. so bad. Joe Rogan came through a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Stop telling that story. It's <laughs> It's, nobody cares about your name, Floppy. Uh, <laughs> this is an egoless place. It's a plane without identity. You're not supposed to be special. You're special because Joe Rogan uh, came Everybody's the same in here. I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk. I don't watch Walking Dead, but we should talk a little bit about sure, it. Sure. Yeah. You want to tell me about zombies? You must love it. hurt them. my feelings that you don't uh, watch the show. That's fine. I own it, so I've given you, you money. You own the show. I own the show. 
Uh, but I haven't yet put it in. I just got hired, so I'm I'm on for season four. I didn't uh-huh. write any of the first three but seasons. But you like it. I do. I was a big fan of the comic book and a big fan of the show, and uh, I was really, really, really unbelievably psyched to get the job. That's I great. Mean, I, was so, I was more nervous for that than any other job interview I've ever been on. Yeah. You know, I really wanted it, and, and for it to come through was, was unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. How did they – did they see some of your work, I'm assuming? I, I just wrote an original drama script, TV script, and, and – That's wild. You know, I, Scott Gimple, who's the showrunner, who's a great guy. He's a big comedy fan, and he does comedy himself. He's a funny improviser. He's a really funny guy himself. Yeah. But he's a drama guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he, I think, knew a little bit about me from comedy. Just, you know, he knew some of the stuff, and he knew Paul Shear, who I worked with really well. And so he liked the pedigree that I had from comedy. And I think AMC um, – had my back. There was a executive there. Is a great guy. This guy Brian Bachroth, who uh, was you know I knew him from New York, and he always liked my comedy, and he was intrigued by the idea of me doing drama, and he asked me, "Do you have any drama scripts?" And uh, and I yeah I got I've written this one. He's like, "Great, I want to submit you a couple bits in it." Yeah, a little a couple of jokes, you know, um, <laughs> some light fare, and he sent it along. And a uh, downbeat. Yeah, there's a downbeat or two. <laughs> And he and they just you know they responded to it and they brought me in and it was the most nerve wracking thing because the the people who interviewed me I knew all of their work I mean there was these people that had you know Galen Hurd and Robert Kirkman and Greg Nicotero and Dave Alpert and these guys who I knew their careers from where from they were horror movie and sci fi guys mm. I mean Kirkman is the creator of the comic big Fangora Huge. guy. <laughs> Total. And yeah, we talked about yeah, it. Yeah. We talked about that. Bangora? Yep. And we talked about... Um, See, that's the magazines we found in our woods. Starlog. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. I mean, I loved those. And we talked about that in there. We talked about Forbidden Planet in New York City, the, the comic book and, and toy shop in New York. Yeah. And, and I was just very nervous. And Gail had not, had produced you were, uh, Terminators you were and Aliens. Nervous? And, I mean, I was very nervous. <laughs> Extremely nervous. And I just broke down and told him. I was like, I'm really nervous right now. I told him. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, because I was like, I'm not giving good answers to these. How in this endearing. Interview. I was like, I am extremely nervous. I'm really psyched to meet you. And yeah. I was genuine. I really was. Um, and I thought I had not a chance in hell after I left. Yeah. And I was like, well, at least I got the interview. That was cool. Uh-oh. And then I had a couple more interviews with, with the showrunner, and then they brought me on, and, and it's been an awesome experience. That's great. Yeah. Can you, what, do, what do zombies mean to you? Well, I was, that's one of the things I talked to with uh, during the interview process. You know, I grew up obsessed with them and loving them. Um, I mean, I saw Night of Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, um, any of the deads all the deads <laughs> when, and, and you know zombie and all the uh, Fulky and the Italian zombie movies I mean I was watching all those, the black t-shirt zombies <laughs> total black t-shirt zombies <laughs> all the Italian black t-shirt zombies uh, ironically I owned a black t-shirt Fulky zombie ah, t-shirt everything know? folds course, in everything connects we see fractals the rest of our lives because of this podcast they appealed to me because they were grungy and there was something very uh, dirty yes. and almost pornographic and, ex- and exploitative about zombie movies. To what me. do you mean? Well, it, the, the movies themselves were low budget. Yes. I know what you mean, but it, I want to hear you say it. Yeah, I, I feel it. They, they felt like you're watching something you shouldn't be watching. Yes. Like, a little snuffy. Is snuff film esque, yes. like dirty, grungy. Yes. Like, oh, what? This is. This is Blown like, out colors. Yes. And the people were. Bad like, acting. Bad acting. That somehow was convincing anyway. Yes, it, it fit the tone of yes. the movie. It became its own genre. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just became obsessed. Yeah. With that. Why? Why are they? 
Let's get into a little bit of the psychology. And it's nihilistic. Yes. I mean, it's the world, the idea that you would be at world's end. Yes. Um, very, appeal to me. Very comforting to me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why the show, yeah. is, The Walking Dead, is so popular. Right. It's because people feel that now more than ever, this apocalypse. Look at all the apocalyptic movies yeah, sure. and stuff that's out. And there's out. also the release. I, I, I've said this on stage before, but it, I, I love uh, post-apocalyptic movies. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, I'm more of the loner movie. I sure. like the guy fighting bandits. Sure, The Road himself. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. The Road is There's exactly a great video right. game coming out called The Last of Us, which you might really like. It's supposed is that- to be amazing. Man and like a teenage girl who are like trying to survive in a post-apocalyptic New York. I like that, but I, I hate Protect Me missions. I hear that. You know what I mean? I hear that. It's I such that. a pain in the ass. Did you not like Bioshock uh, Infinite? I, I'm so happy you asked because I love Bioshock I Infinite. loved it. I'm playing it currently. I thought it was one of the best. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to say. No. Nope. Nope. I won't spoil it. I'm just saying the ending for me, yes. the last like 20 minutes of the game or 15 minutes of the game was the best like written yeah. experience That's where I've I'm had right with a video game. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I've, I loved I've, it. I'm, this isn't a spoiler. Mm-hmm. But there's a scary part, a mm-hmm. part where you jump. I've done that already. Yeah, yeah. there's a YouTube video of a of a uh, of a montage of I tweeted it today of people having that moment. <laughs> one one kid cries. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Oh, and I I wish I had audio of what I did because oh, I, I love was it. I definitely cursed and was mad, yeah. but also so happy. Yeah. So the the nihilism. I understand that like. It gets rid of your calendar. It gets rid of your phone. There's something a little bit zen it's and like meditative. The, club, the idea of getting rid of your debts. Like yes. You no longer are part of society. Right. Now it's just up to you. It, it's appealing to our animal side. It's yeah. like we need food. We need to protect the weaker amongst us. Yep. And there's a threat. And I know what it is. Yep. In this time, I, I hate that I'm saying I'm about to say post 9-11, but the idea of a war on terror, it's so vague and meandering and, 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 and in some ways untrue or, or manipulated perhaps. Uh, zombies, nothing untrue or manip- There he is, his jaws fallen off, or the my favorite, one leg, no legs, crawling right. at you. Yeah, that's great. People would love to blast that thing with a shotgun. Of course, and I think there's a there's a big part of that. I also think you know zombie stuff kind of crests. It, it you know it crested in the seventies, you know a little bit in the nineties, and then again now at times when, um. At times when sort of the country is at its own throat, mm. that that's part of the subtext of it. Is Interesting. It's other people that you're with that turn, and there's other people. It's that's your own right. citizenry. It's they not. It's not threats. this external threat from another country. They're infected. It's your neighbor. Yes. It's your cousin. It's your mom. It's, it's so funny that you, you say know. mom. That was the thing that found. I found it so scary. The idea mm. that your parents would turn. Yes. And they too would want to eat your brains. Yes. Yeah, and, it, and and that element of it is is I think it's not an accident that we're at this very contentious yes part in our history as a as a country yes and that's something that's about us fighting each other is a very popular and an extremely compelling. I, mean, I guess three is idea. the number of people that just stole this conversation as an idea for their thesis. <laughs> They're like, I had nothing. I'm doing zombies and your neighbor. Yeah, zombie as man versus. Use me, neighbor. please. Footnote me. Yeah, 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 sure. Please footnote. I me. want your professor to listen to the show <laughs> and the whole cum glove thing. It's going to be great. There's also, I mean, there's a little bit of. I'm going to put this to you. Is this too sure. obvious? I haven't thought about it too much. I don't know why I'm being defensive. I'm sure you'll think it's fine. They're dead. We're alive, mm-hmm. and we're kind of rebelling against our own death. It, it's sure. it's got to be satisfying to shoot death in the face mm-hmm. and be like, "I'm still here." Well, yeah. And then one of the things about the sh- the, the, the mythology of the uh, of the show, and I'm I'm not spoiling anything with this, is that 
everybody has the virus yeah. in the show. So if oh. you die, it doesn't matter how you die. You don't have to be bitten. Oh, you! I didn't know that. Yeah, you, you. When you die, you come back. Wow! And so you know that's there, so every hero old, we have. Yes, we're all fucked unless they get shot in the head. Right, they'll come back as a as a as a zombie. So good for the actor. We don't call them zombies in the show. Agents like bad news, good news. Is that true? We never call them zombies. What do you call them? Walkers, walkers, biters, lurkers. We never call them zombies in the show. Is I that think, from the comic book? I I think that. Robert, like, he may have once or twice called them that in the book, but very rarely. I think he's been pretty kind of a stickler about it. Like, he doesn't really call them that. Think of them. There's a couple of times when the characters do, but it's very rare. I'm going to do a bad job uh, re-representing Duncan Trussell's theory about Walking Dead. Let's hear it. I just want you to tell me if you think there's any validity to it, and you have to keep in mind I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. So I will represent Duncan right now. Sure. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> ah, yeah, I just ate a pot brownie and went to a Gnostic church, man. <laughs> I have never tried Duncan. I'm pretty pleased with it. I, <laughs> I, uh, he said that the show is about um, polygamy in that there's this group of people, uh-huh. and I don't know. I, I'm making this up. Okay. There's one girl. Don't even correct me. There's one girl, and there's a bad guy, like a badass guy, and kind of like a more traditional hero guy. Mm-hmm. They both love the girl. She loves both of them. But the idea is that like, they can't come to terms with the fact that they just need to be in an open relationship and fuck everybody. Hmm. Is there anything to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there? No, I don't know. <laughs> yes. I, why take away his theory? I mean – I don't know. I, I love it that people have theories like that. You could I, probably – it's a good enough story that you could put a lot of different things on it. Yeah. I mean that's not something that we have talked about. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like – Don't know, laugh, man. It's real. I think <laughs> – It's real. <laughs> I think at a certain point with this kind of thing, you know, I'm just like – I'm a new writer on the show. There are more experts there than I sure. who could tell you. I'm a contributing member of, of, sure, sure, of, sure, a, sure. of a thing. But I will say that uh, – and I think the other guys would agree, and I think Robert would agree at a certain point. Hey, it's out in the world. Whatever yeah. you feel about yeah. it is like how you feel about yeah, it. Yeah, Whatever yeah. you bring to it is what you bring to it. Yeah. You know, if that's what you feel about it, that's what you feel about it. This is making me want to watch it. Maybe I will, because like I said, I own it. You, you know what it is? It. It's a great show. When I play the Borderlands level. Oh, can I say, by, by the way, about Bioshock Infinite? I was just talking to Emily Gordon. I was hanging out with her last night in Kumail, and we were talking about Bioshock Infinite and uh, Elizabeth, right? So Elizabeth is this girl, and the second I meet her, I'm like, well, this game's fucked. The rest of the game is going to be me worrying about mm-hmm. her, me trying to get her to keep up. Wow. At some point, she's going to get stuck between two walls, and right. she's going to be blinking. I'm like, fuck this. And she is, I, mean, I hate to say this, but kind of the ideal woman. All she does <laughs> is love you and tend to you. She's a little difficult sometimes. She tosses you money. She tosses you health. She tosses you salts. And then when you get in a fight, she it doesn't get in the way. She can't be harmed. That's my favorite thing about it. She can't get harmed. It's my favorite thing. You yeah. never, she, Elizabeth will never die. All she does is bring you back to life when you die. Yep. And if you start going off and she can't follow you, you know the line. She goes like, "Don't worry, don't worry about me. Yeah, I'll yeah. be fine." Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, "This is the independent, loving, beautiful, nurturing, <laughs> but still has her own identity woman." That I'm ashamed to admit that I'm like, "Oh, they've done it. They cracked <laughs> what I'm looking for in a woman." Support. You just want a woman to throw you cash, a- ammunition, and yes. money. I guess that's good. It's embarrassing. Yeah, and it's telling of me psychologically. It should make me undateable, but somehow it's only made me more appealing. Well, I, okay, I'm teasing. I'm using comedy for fun. Mm. Well, well, we're running out of time. There are two things I want to do. One, ask you if there's a god. Uh, yes. Yeah, tell me about him. 
or her. Uh, oh my God, what an assumption, right? So tell me about him. You know what? I don't give a shit. In my book, all do, all gods have dicks and vaginas, they sh- as they should. They got both, as they should. So you call them whatever you want. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not a very. I'm a big look. I. I oh God. Get into I mean, that's it. a whole other thing. You know, I. I. I'm a big. Um, this sounds so obnoxious. You're but I'm a safe place. A big like Jungian guy. I'm very into big uh, what Jungian like Carl Jung and oh. and a big hey uh, Joseph, cool. Joseph Campbell guy and uh, and, uh, and uh, have you ever listened to the show? Uh, no, I have. These not. are my jams. Yeah, I mean those are two of my favorite. Uh, I love Joseph Campbell philosophers and yes. I'm, I'm, I'm big into them and and so by but Joey Cam's is big into like look did it happen no or maybe it's not important no yeah it's not important it, for him it's it's a a a a vase. Yeah. That holds the society together. A meta- a it's a schematic. Yeah. A metaphor. A metaphor. A metaphor. A metaphor. An, a- an analogy a- is the man ran like a deer. Yeah. A metaphor, metaphor is the man, man is the deer. deer. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I love him. You know. So, so I, I, I think for him, I believe in that. I believe in, and I believe in the, in the, uh, the reality. Of a spirituality yes. and a and a sort of uh, um, a mythology that is real, yes, for you, yes, that does affect you in the world that you're in, does open secret passageways and does uh, help you to evolve spiritually, and is real. Is that what Joey Cam's teaches? I've never no, really gotten no, to but him. I, no, not fully, but I, I, I think to some degree yeah. he does. Yeah. You know, the follow he your bliss sees, concept and all that stuff. Right. He sees the benefit of it. Yes. And He's, I think, and he believed in it to, with, for himself to some degree. He did? Yeah, I think so. This, this idea that, you know, if you are on the right path, if you're living your myth, which was his, one of the things he said, if you live your myth, you find out what your myth. myth is and you live your myth, then, you know, you, you're going to have helping hands to constantly push you and guide you in the right direction. Yes. You know, and I do, th- I have found that to be true in my life. And, 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 and what a life. And what a life. It's I easy. Mean, it's not just every day you find sharing or something. Uh-huh. Helping hands <laughs> have to guide you yes, they to do. masturbate. But they keep it vague. I mean, what is the, the drifter hello is a helping hand, is it not? <laughs> it's like an old, like, sort of, uh, saggy, it's a, it's like the, soggy. sort of like a French Revolution era. Oh, my like God. You were challenged to a jerk off duel. Yes. You didn't yes. meet him in the courtyard. I did not meet him in the courtyard. <laughs> oh my God. He slapped me across the face with his glove. Yes. So Joe, Joseph Campbell, this is amazing. You're and, blowing and, my dick and, off. And, and, Carl, and Carl Young to a certain degree. I mean, I Tell go, me more I about Jungian him. Therapy. I've been in Jungian therapy for years. What does that mean? It's just a style of therapy. And I, I don't know if it's for everybody. And I would hate to preach. I don't want to preach that, oh, this is the right Why way. Why can't we preach? Let's, let's pretend we're preachers. I just, it really registered and, and, and resonated for Tell me. Tell me how it's different from talk therapy. It is talk therapy, but it's um, just, I think there's more emphasis on dreams, daydreams, something they call active imagination, um, where you sort of, you know, you engage with your dreams or figures from your dreams in your waking life and you actually have a conversation with them and you write down hmm. a conversation back and forth. So he was more um, comfortable with the supernatural yes. and some pretty trippy stuff. Yes, and the trippy, which he was also very nervous about because he wanted to be taken seriously right. as, a sci- as a doctor as right. well, right, man right, of right. science. He was um, into hypnosis as well. Uh, yes, some, I mean, you know, I, to some degree. He was into the supernatural in general, especially in the occult when he was younger. And really? He, yes, he was obsessed with it. And then as he got older, um, Can I a more spiritual a version of the occult. Why aren't we all obsessed with the occult? I think that because science really washed it away and was like, by the way, you take this pill and you're, you, the, the disease goes away. Yeah. <laughs> and people went, oh yeah, I don't have to fucking... Yeah, I understand that, but like, yes. Kill a fatted 
right, right. You know, but when it comes to like chanting and robes and fires and candles and secret things that you're mm-hmm. not supposed to say and initiations sure. and blood and a, a crooked dagger, there's always mm-hmm. some sort of crooked dagger. Yeah, some sort of like wavy dagger. Yeah. I'm reading Inside Scientology and it talks about. Ooh, I want to read that. It's good. Yeah. It, I, I look. I can't give you a bigger endorsement than it talks a lot about the occult mm. and it talks a lot about uh, like hypnosis and mind altering and that sort of stuff. I'm always fascinated. And and you know it does a pretty decent job of addressing to me what my big question is is what is science what are Scientologists being drawn to because it can't just be like you want to be exiled by society it's got to be like (laughs) I'm going to hypnotize you and make you have like a very profound hallucination Mm. that's going to make you stay with us sure so Elron, I like E L R O N. Elron <laughs> and uh, these occult guys. Just wh- one D from being Elrond, right? Yes. Yeah. Elrond. He uh, he. Uh, start, so the leader of this occult guy, like conjured, like did a spell to conjure up a woman. Like he wanted a partner, mm-hmm. and he did the ceremony. And according to him. A couple days later, this gorgeous redhead, exactly what he was looking for, showed up. Like, <laughs> He's came. like, make her a redhead god, yeah. please. I mean, that's in it. It's true. <laughs> Nobody. I love it. Christianity's like, you can't be choosy. The occult's like, what kind of tits you want? <laughs> that's, how, that's the big difference. So she shows up now. Occam's Razor, of course, it's just some woman that found the compound and just came. Sure. But, I mean, like, there are people that are like, no, I did a spell and she showed up and they got well, married. I've definitely, like, you know. What the what Carl Jung would call synchronicity experienced things that were, I've had much more profound experiences through synchronicity than I ever had on any drug. Tell me what that means. I don't know. It's what it's you're saying. What they call what what Jungian peop, Jungians would call meaningful chance, or what Carl Jung would call meaningful chance. So something happens that's a coincidence, but it's so impossible. Mm-hmm. Like this woman showing up after he wanted that. Right. It's so impossible. Right. That you ascribe meaning to it. You go, this is this is a sign. That's me every day. This is the sign that you see. And you go, oh my God, my life changed in that moment because I was thinking something and then it yes. presented itself in the real world. Yes. Uh, and I think that, that for me that happened a few times. And Can uh, you name one of them? Yeah, I guess, you know, I... I'm I, sorry. I, no, 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 I can get into it. It's just a little, it might be a little weird, but, you know, I, I've had something... I... I'll tell you one, and bear with me. I know it's, we got to go, but it's a little... We, we actually don't have to go. Don't worry about it. When I very first started... Katie might have to go. I'll hit stop. When I very first started, uh, when I very first started uh, therapy, I had never done it before, you know. And I went into New York. Uh, I was living in New York, and I was working on uh, Fat Guy Stuck in Internet for Adult Swim. Yes. We were making. We just shot it, and I started, started to go to therapy. I like, was having like a breakdown. I decided to go to therapy. And I was having a major emotional crisis, like weird feelings. And I went and I started going. And, and one of the first days he was like, you know, you should, there's a book you should get, um, uh, Man and His Symbols. Um, which man is the, at His Symbols. Man and His Symbols. Man and I believe that's symbol. the name of it. I, I'm, that's terrible that I'm blanking on the name. I believe it's Man and His Symbols. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's and a, it's a Jungian it's a, book. It's, it's a book about drums. Yeah, it's, it's totally. It's just about, it's about Zildjian. It's, by, it's by, put out by Zildjian. I and, can't believe you got it and, <laughs> and didn't laugh. That's what hurt me. You completely got it. And you're like, yep, it's by Zildjian. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm trying to tell yeah, a story. Yeah, this and that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so I... I get this book, Man and Symbols, and I'm reading this. Now, I had written this this, this episode of the show mm-hmm. where Brett Gelman plays a sea captain who kidnaps Chains and Gemberling, and he's looking for his lost love on the cyber ocean. Uh-huh. And he's like a pirate. 
or captain, like a sea captain. Mm-hmm. And he takes us, he's looking for this, his lost love, Lorelei. I've got to find Lorelei. I've got to find Lorelei. And when we f- he finds her, she's this giant squid monster <laughs> that he's in love with and wants to fuck this giant squid monster that attacks the boat and has, totally has no feelings for him back. <laughs> um, has no feelings at all. She's a monster. So her name's Lorelei. So we're editing that episode, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm reading Man and His Symbols while we're sitting in the edit bay. And... I get to a chapter and it's like talking about when you have a, a wounded feminine aspect within yourself, something called the, the anima, and it can, be a, it can present itself as the, it's the female part of the, the male uh, soul. It's, it basically is your soul, the feminine part of a man. You talk about the ideal woman like the Bashak infinite woman. When you feel that way mm-hmm. about a woman, that's, your, that's the soul woman. That's the woman here. When you fall in love with someone you see on the street and there's no good reason, that's the idyllic woman that's already inside you that you're projecting out onto another a a real life woman or or woman out there or you're seeing women have a version of that male version of that called the animus Mm -hmm. but in men it's called the anima who I know animus from Assassin's Creed it could be light if you have a tough relationship with women or you had a bad it can go very dark your femme fatales and and things like that Mm -hmm. the dark the the, the black widow type you know Mm -hmm. uh, destroyer uh, destroyer destructor so there was a chapter of the book I'm reading and it's about the destructor different from different myths Mm mm-hmm incarnations of this destructor destructive feminine and we get then in germany and the german one they're like and in germany it was called the lorelei now on screen is this creature while being edited called the lorelei and this guy was passionately in love with it couldn't see that it was a monster yes and she's like and and a huntsman would go and you wrote it i wrote it it was my episode Huntsman, Huntsman, I've never read anything about Lorelai's. The they, they, Huntsman would go to the lake, and there'd be like basically like a sea, like a uh, mermaid type. These sirens called Lorelai's, who would say, "Come, come, come!" And when you get there, they would turn into creatures and drown you. Okay, they'd, they'd pull you to the bottom of the lake and kill I've you. I dated a few of those. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that and that blew my. I like, I couldn't believe that in the moment I was had written this thing. It was months earlier. Had it been shot, and it took a the, the, what it took to. Line Everything that had to line up, up to line those things together. Reading the book in the bay, not in, later that day. No, sitting there reading it on a couch while we're editing that episode. Lorelai could look over your shoulder while Brett and read Gelman it. is shouting, "Lorelai, Lorelai!" Like on this, you know, Lorelai, yeah, Lorelai. Uh, <laughs> and it just that, that sounds, of course, to other people, they go, "Who gives a shit?" Right, which doesn't matter. Though. Or you know what I hate more, worse is uh, well, obviously you read that as a youth and you forgot. Sure. Sure, and but here's the thing. Which is not what I'm it saying. It doesn't even matter, though. Yes. Because I still would have to have written it. Yes. And those things would still have to line up. Yes. Like those moments would still have to line up. And it doesn't really matter what other people think. Because you could. I mean, yeah, coincidence. You can choose whether that's coincidence or whether you want to think of it as meaningful. Mm. And if you do ascribe some meaning to it, as I do, well, that means you sort of believe in God. You know? Because if you didn't... In some form. Yes, I'm not, not, I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that's happening and you believe that that's happening, then there's some hidden force underneath that's connecting all things and syncing up and, right. and present and poking through every now and again. Right. Poking a hole in the sheet and peeking through for like a second. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something happens and you're saying... And that's just one of like many something. circumstances. And I've had stranger than that, but that was one of, oh, of come many. On. Hit me. Um, 
Some are like not believable. Some are like beyond. Give me a, will uh, you give me an unbelievable? I don't want. I'll give you an unbelievable. I don't want to tap you too much. I'll give I don't you want you to leave that, feeling that, like that you said people so would much. feel. I think is. Un- I am here to you know believe. What's you. funny? A little synchronicity. I'm going to the shrink after this. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But I, I. You know what happens to me? I, I'd say almost every day is I think about somebody and then I see them. Sure. Granted, I'm thinking about a lot of people, but I'll be like, and it never freaks people out. And people I saw say guy, that that's coincidence aren't wrong. Yep. It's what you. It's interesting. What is it? To what does it mean to me? The metaphor. Yeah. What's the metaphor? He come. Uh, this guy I hadn't seen in ten years came up to me and he goes, "Pete." His name was Pete. I'm like, "What's Pete? Pete? Hey, I was just thinking about you today." And he's like, "Oh, hey, man." I'm like, "Slow down, boss. <laughs> I was thinking about you today." Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Get on board. Tell yeah. me. Tell me an unbelievable thing. Well, I'll say you know during this experience I was. Um, I which, got, which experience? The, the the beginning of therapy. I, I oh, started yes. to have like a major crack up. Like I was having like a basically a break from reality. Uh, I started in that and having these massive dreams and 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 I was having sort of. I thought it was, they were basically acid flashbacks. Was my thought. It was yeah. sort of like semi hallucinations during waking during time. the day. Mm. Feeling what kind did of that crazy. look like? Yeah, You'd was, see things? I would sort of like half see. It, it was like mind's eye stuff yeah. almost in the field of view, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And I w- they were frightening. It was frightening. I was Bad getting scared. Yes. I was getting really scared and I was afraid I was having a nervous breakdown. I was having a nervous breakdown. This was one of the ways your brain can interpret stress is like, yes. let's show him a clown. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And that's what was going on. And I'm I, not, by the way, not making fun. You, no, 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 no. Just you're, for a second. Oh, I, by the way, I'm not self-serious about I this. You know, can totally I know, I know. make fun of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, I, but I'm actually not. because I'm not trying to impress anybody with my mystical experience. No, 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 no. In fact, I'll say I had an ocular migraine that uh, made the vision in my good eye much worse. And now, just at night and stuff, my, my mind plays tricks on me. I'm going to say 500% more than it did. Mm. So it was literally just my vision. But now I'll be walking. And I'm like, oh, a dog peeing blood. Nah, it's, no, a that lamp. <laughs> it's a lamp. I thought for sure. But like I was positive yeah. that I saw a guy in a mask in his car. And I didn't. Mm. I'm a terrible eyewitness. <laughs> I was going to say. And now I'm flashing forward to me being a witness. And he's like, he admits it in the podcast. <laughs> if it's dark and like I'm exercising, I'm pretty bad. Uh. <laughs> Your Honor, he, it was dark and he was actually <laughs> – Give him a break. Yes. Um, oh, so, okay. I'm the sorry most, to I would say that one of the more unbelievable things was I was – I had been having these sort of t- day terrors and then at night they'd be worse. I would have night terrors yes. at night yeah. and they'd manifest themselves in different ways like sort of just entities in the room and I'd wake up and be frozen. It felt like my place was haunted. I mean crazy shit. Yeah. And one night, I, I was this diagnosed. Are you leading up to some sort of explanation? Or is, no? I mean, it was just was sort of because I guarantee we're going to get comments that people are like I have this. So yeah, what sure. have you learned? Well, I, each night it was increasingly getting worse. Yikes! And every night I was getting a little more frightened. And this is the kind of terror. You're not hearing things. Though. No, no. Well, sometimes. Yeah. But it was like basically a little like seven. The kind of terror you have when you're seven years old. Um, in your bed yes. that night, like that kind of like, oh my God, I'm in bed, I'm alone. But I was, you know, 30. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and laying in bed and every night it's getting like creepier. And one night I had the covers pulled over my head like a child. Mm-hmm. And the pressure was building in the room. It felt like there was like pressure in the room. <laughs> and I was building and building and building and building. And it felt I couldn't take it anymore. I was like going to scream. It was so as if something was creeping towards the bed, you know, to reach out and grab. And then I heard, I scream. I like leapt in my bed and I reached out and flipped on the light. And my printer had printed a piece of paper, had kicked out a piece of paper. 
uh, on the ground. What? And I went over. Great um, printer, by the completely way. Completely jarred. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was like an old timey. Yeah, it reminds me of Lost in Translation where the fax is coming in. At yeah. <laughs> but yes, terrifying. I go over, the paper has nothing on it. Shut your There's fuck. nothing, it's nothing on either side, nothing's printed, and it's, the printer's not on. You shut your dick. Now, of course, people go, well, that's not true. <laughs> they say, well, you're lying. This is not a, not a true story. Yes. And, but it happened. Yes. And so I can try to convince people of it as being true. And, and then again, even if it is true, what's the big deal? Right. So something happened. Well, it threatens people's belief system. Sure. Well, sure. Or, or the Printers just like, that okay. aren't on. <laughs> Cannot come on and do this. Can't come on and turn on. Although we, we know that they can. And even if it can and does, and even if it is all coincidence, it doesn't matter. Yes. Because I choose to ascribe meaning to it. Right. And I say it did mean something because I was feeling all these feelings and then this thing happened. Right. That had impact on me. Well, that's all that really makes a difference. And I, I, I do wish that... That's your mythology. Yes. And I do wish that people... I, I mean, I, I hate to be... This, I mean, I'm not preaching about Preach Jesus. I just, I just think that if people had more personal religions rather than group religions and they could feel that way, they wouldn't be a lot fewer problems in the world like green light your own belief system <laughs> yeah you know unless, of course unless you're a serial killer and then you know well it is hard when people are like just do you just do you <laughs> just i'm do like you. what if you well, want to fuck kids yeah yeah no, then don't do yeah, you then don't do you then you run into some <laughs> then don't do you yeah that's why you can't really give advice to anyone you should never preach or give advice uh, to anybody just yeah. you know keep your eyes on your own paper uh, and uh you know keep your spiritual you're reminding me so. of that movie that had carl jung in it uh and freud was played by oh yeah a dangerous method i think dangerous method which yeah. I didn't mind. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. And uh, I didn't dangerous mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I think dangerous mind's probably a, a better yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> spending most of our lives living in this psychotherapy this psycho- paradise. Parent, yeah. Okay. Uh, but he he's like they're in the room and here's the knock yes. on the wood and he's like that happened and yes. it's going to happen again. And I read about that and it was even in in the in the letters that they exchanged back and forth. It was even more more significant between the two of them. The stuff that would happen the when... Stu- that incident uh-huh. was much more... They said it was like a shot ringing out in the letters like the, to each other. Really? Yeah, that it was like a... Um, someone had sh- They thought someone had shot from outside. Someone had shot like a gun. Uh, really? So yeah. a loud, loud bang. Yes, and a, I believe a book came off the shelf in their in their yeah in the movie too yeah so it happened several times and freud is like don't be stupid and young is like no yeah. you're ignoring a whole in, realm in their letters to each other uh um uh freud denied initially that that happened he was like i don't know what you're talking about you know and it was kind of like oh that you you and your silly nonsense and then later in his life Acknowledged it in a letter to him and said, "Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the ex- exact words that right. he used, but he did acknowledge that that happened between them Man. later in his life." I do, I'm just so much more of a young than a Freud, I yeah. guess. Even though I'm Same the most here. Freudian guy in the world, yeah. I just really enjoy this sort of discussion. Me too. So you, you think maybe when we die, it's not over? That I don't know. That I have no idea. Not of. a big concern. Uh, yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? I was laying in bed last night, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. No it matter what, I'm going to die. It just would be horrible if there's just this hell. That's just the only thing. Yeah. I believe that. You know, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in hell. Yeah. But God damn, yeah. that would be just the worst if that it turns out to be true. That would be the stupidest ending. <laughs> the stupidest ending to all of this. I've, I've thought this before. It's just the idea that like everything good has some sort of twist ending. <laughs> I have to imagine this is the same. Well, I mean, if you're M. Night Shyamalan, that's not always true. Yeah. You know, Sometimes it's sometimes just a, the twist ending is just a bad idea. Mythical village. 
That could have been great. Oh, it could have been great. You're fantastic. Thanks, pal. Thanks for having me on. So wait, wait, are we going to scratch our tickets off real quick? Yeah, that's how we'll end the Let's show. Let's see. Okay. What if we listen to me right now? Yeah. What if we both win? <laughs> We've had this huge discussion. Yeah. About chance, about, about fate, chance about... and fate. And at the beginning of the podcast, you yeah. handed. This sounds like fake. Yeah. You sounded me. You sounded a lucky me, for life. A lucky for life, and we read off our lucky numbers. And, and now let's see if let's we scratch won. and see if we did it. All right. I mean, we're just going to do it in a big patch, right? Yeah. 12, 7, 28. No, no, 6. Nothing in mine. Nothing so far. Nothing so far in mine. 31, no. No, no. 37, 32, 34. No. Wait, no. Nothing That's a here. 1, not a... No. <laughs> 24, 6, 19. No. No. 7, uh-uh. 17, 30, 35. 27, 14, 21. I don't think it happened for me today. I feel like... Can you check my work? I don't yeah. trust myself. Yeah, you check mine. I will. Check yours. 28. I just don't trust myself. I don't want to throw out a winner. No, of course not. Three. You and I are going to be old men writing each other letters and being like, remember when we didn't win and that means something? We didn't win, friend. Curtis. Next time. You are the king. You're the king family. You're the cotton swab family. Uh-huh. Thank you for taking this audience in as your foster child. Uh, it was child. my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And would you say keep it crispy? It's how we end the show. Keep it crispy. Thanks for not even questioning that, you fucking sculpture of goodness. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. 